Welcome back to For Fintech's Sake. It's our first episode of 2021 and a very special one at that. My guest today, I'm very excited to say, is Eric Jorgensen. He's the author of The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. If you've never heard of Naval for context, he's a successful entrepreneur, investor, and some would say philosopher. We'll dive deep into everything Ravikant in the interview. Don't worry. Now, not only is Eric the author of what the streets are referring to as the Navalmanac, he's also one of my best friends in the entire universe. He's my go-to person on just about everything business, personal, and even food related. The man knows his way around a sandwich. As a result, this isn't your average for fintech sake episode. I worked side by side with Eric while he was writing and rewriting and rewriting and re-editing this book for the past three years. So I had a front row seat to the ups and downs. And folks, he did it. It's finally out. And I wanted to have him on to discuss what he learned through the process, how he's grown and what others can get out of the book. I personally have read the book a few times now and every single time I get something new out of it. In the year that was 2020 and this new year that is 2021, but so far feels pretty similar, it seems like we all need a recentering on what matters. A recentering on our own emotional state, happiness being a choice, other things that can help us out of this victim mindset that we often find ourselves in based on just what's going on in the world. So with that, I hope this conversation gives you energy, maybe a laugh or two, and hopefully some things to think about. Without further ado, my conversation with Eric Jorgensen. The toughest part of this is sitting across the fucking table from like your best friend and trying to set the stage for the rest of the world with the amount of context that we have about each other and that I have about this book. It's a lot of context. It's a lot of context. So it's maybe too much context. It's maybe too much context. So maybe we won't go we won't go too deep there. But let me let me let me set it up a little bit. So number one, you have probably had the biggest life year of your life. At least from the outside. There's at least 10 years of life this year. At least. Yeah. Just just for you. I mean, for yeah. everybody, there's been at least like a couple years of life in this one year of life. Yeah. But like like you've had you've had <laughs> moves you've had a you've had a significant other move into back to town with you you've had death you've had life you've had all of these things you've published a book you're still riding the wave of a startup like you've had you've had a fucking crazy year it's been a full year yeah so we'll start with that <laughs> but before we get to all of that naval has informed a lot of your perception and mental models Outside of like Charlie Munger, your dad and your mom, I think he's the one that you probably quote the most that I hear. Like pretty much every time I'm having a conversation with you, it's like, all right, so I'm going to ask you a question right now. I need some life advice, Eric. And the answer is generally going to be, okay, so there's two answers. Naval would say is the first answer. And the second answer is like Eric's version of life. I'm so annoying that way. <laughs> but you, you, before you dug in like this deep into Naval, like we used to do it with Charlie Munger. We used to do it with like a lot of, I do it with Dave Chappelle fucking yeah. all of the time. Like we all have our person that we're like kind of channeling. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's kind of the person that you, you channel the most. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of always been top of mind for the last few years just because I like, was never more than a few days from reading or listening or something from, you know, something he was talking about. So that is kind of where I want to start. Like one of my favorite quotes in here, and it's kind of like irony on a page is 
to make an original contribution, you have to be irrationally obsessed with something. So let's start there. How did you get who who is Naval and how did you get irrationally obsessed with him? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I heard of Naval first. Um, I was still in college and somebody I was kind of like knew I wanted to do startups and it was like start tech world. Like Facebook was like just getting big. It was just becoming clear that like that was kind of where I wanted to go. And somebody said, like, read all Paul Graham and read all of venture hacks and like you'll understand the valley and figure out like what to do and that's why you have to go to san francisco and all this stuff yeah go um, go west young man go west yeah i mean exactly so it was kind of um he was set up as this like one of the lighthouses of the valley and one of the ways to kind of learn your way in and um you know somebody who's kind of sharing the lessons broadly and so yeah. that's where i started following him and then i remember going to like talks at pando daily um that he did and just like continuing to read and follow him as he shared more and more different stuff and he was like building angel list he's like this yeah. is how you build a team this is how you know getting the jobs act passed he used to talk about you know it's just sort of like sedimentary yeah. layers of how yeah. he used twitter and what he talked about yeah. i just learned a ton of different stuff over the years and um that was such an sfe paragraph you just spoke yeah. <laughs> Pando still, Daily. Still, it's like yeah. an episode of Silicon Valley that just came out of your mouth. But I, it's I, formative. I get that'll it. That'll yeah. happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Um, yeah, that's that's what you get um, with me on your podcast. Yeah. The, the uh, And then, I mean, he's really kind of started, I think, as Angelus got really successful and he kind of shifted from like, I mean, as he would say, like achieving all of the material, mm -hmm. you know, and social successes that he wanted to and realizing that it only solved the percentage of kind of the things that he found you know, the, the gap between where he was and who he wanted to be or the subjective human experience that he wanted to have, um, started looking and sharing more about philosophy and more about happiness and, you know, trying to solve some of the like emotional shit that we all have that we just like put, you know, material challenges in front of and like bury. Um, and after, I mean, really after he was on the Shane Parrish podcast, uh, the knowledge project, you saw how, like how helpfully he had distilled so much of like what he'd learned in philosophy and stuff yeah. like that. And it's kind of like, um, and I, I wasn't really like, I didn't go into this podcast looking for that, but I was like, that, that was good shit to listen to and, and helpful in the same way that like Elaine de Vuitton is, was helpful and interesting. And, um, what was it about like where you were at that point in life? I mean, maybe it's worth digging into like who it, who it is you say you are and what it is you say you do here. Like explain Zarly a little bit, explain like kind of what you were going through at that time when you discovered him. Yeah. I mean, that was 2017 was like, I think when that, when Shane Parrish's podcast came out. Um, oh, so you had gone West. Yeah. So like when you discovered him, it sounds like you were in Michigan at school and then yeah. went West and then because of Zarly and Bo, like, did you meet him? I've never met Naval. Um, That's such a no. fascinating. I mean, he thing. was a, he was an early investor in Zarly, right? Um, back in like 2011, and you know he he was you know I know he like contributed and you know through the CEO and stuff like that. But yeah, um, but you weren't like on regular calls with him or anything. And, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, we I don't. We've never talked live. Like even at the end at this moment, like never through the book. Um, wow. It's all email, Twitter, whatever. It's pretty quick. Do you want that to happen? Yeah, I want to. Like think, how bad do you want that to happen? That's a dumbass question. Like, of course you want to meet the guy that you wrote the fucking book about, but like, I mean, honestly, like I didn't until I was ending the book and I was like left with questions. And I'm like, yeah. okay, now that I've like studied this for like three years, like there are still kind of like ten questions that I'm like, I want to, I want to hear 
you know, the questions that I'm left with after studying you for three years, like I want to ask you yeah. and, and hear your answers to. Um, and I think we'll, I think we'll like do an interview or something like, I think yeah. that'd be cool. Cause I, I imagine a lot of people who finish the book are left with the same questions. Um, what are, what are like one or two of those? Um, and also like, don't do an interview, just go get coffee. Like you don't want to yeah. do that shit publicly. This is already yeah. hard enough. This is hard enough. I wonder, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I know that it, the answers will be different if they are public versus right. versus private and you get to go yeah. way I mean, you and I bit. went on a walk before this uh, distilling the, the, the boundaries on which we are even allowed to tread. You know, this isn't, <laughs> we, we have known each other. And we did not do a good job to find we did boundaries not. either. As my microphone falls over. Um, <laughs> we did not, and we will probably cross the barrier at some point, but here we go. Yep. Um, I, I think the biggest is kind of like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of extreme takes and a lot of like iron prescriptions yeah. in, in this that are like, people are like, I get that that's like the ideal, but like how close to that can you actually live? Especially in like people often give you like X kind of crazy scenario where like, but my wife X or but my kids Y and you're like, I don't know. Like that's for you to like, that is where the rubber meets the road of the philosophy. Yeah. And so like, that's kind of what I would, I would ask him is kind of like how close to the, maybe like the stoic ideals or something yeah. are, do you actually behave with like, you know, your children or your yeah. close family or something like that? Um, where do you feel like this book lands on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Like, do you feel like it's very like, the creating of the ultimate self. Do you feel like this is something that like people that are making, you know, 15 bucks an hour at Trader Joe's should be reading? Like, where do you feel at what point in life is this something to dig into? I think, I think there is at least one idea in here that is helpful for like probably almost every human, right? Like, especially the second half is extremely like fundamental human need addressed. And it's very like, you know, it's, it's a distillation of like philosophy that has been, written and explored for, you know, thousands of years. Like, how do we be happy? How do we relate to others? How do we, um, you know, solve and the, the like voice in our heads that yeah. tell us, you know, put all these shoulds and, um, things like that. I mean, we're, we have this weird condition where we're trying to understand ourselves and be ourselves at the same time. And that's just hard. And whatever we spent thousands of years as humans trying to figure it out. And yep. this is, you know, maybe a helpful break in that wall. Um, but it's not the only place to find that stuff. Right. You know, if you, want to go straight and read Buddhist wisdom, like Greg, go read the Buddhist wisdom. Like, the, you know, the whole list of books at the end is kind of like, you can see where Naval got all of this. It's just yeah. a distillation. It's kind of a starting point for people who, you know, maybe haven't read a lot of books and don't know where to start and don't know why they should. Like, um, is I think it'll be the tip of the spear for people a little bit. That's like, you know, yeah, I'm working. It's, I actually just got a note from somebody yesterday. It was funny. You use that example from like, who wrote me an email. I was like, I was working at Trader Joe's. Oh, there you go. Right. Dude, you just got I lucky on that it. one. Yeah. Um, maybe it's our subconscious yes, connection. We, yeah. yeah. Well, we were probably more of a subconscious connection than we have conscious in 2020. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like I was working at Trader Joe's. I read this book. I realized that like this job wasn't serving me. I just, I, you know, and so I quit and then I had to figure out what to do. And I worked, I used all the time that I had back from my job to leap to work much harder on my application to this like web development training mm. thing. And I got in and like, I just feel like I'm on a completely different path now. And I'm like, fucking great. Like, that's awesome. Um, that has to be a, a dopamine hit and a half to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I, like, I got a different version of that from somebody who was like, 
in a third world country. And it was like, this, I've just been working like me in a laptop by myself for years and like started with $200 in the bank and like made it all, lost it all, started over teaching myself and like, wow, thank you. And so like, you know, I mean, that's why the book's available for free. Cause like it can help anybody at any time, um, you know, take it or leave it. But I think, I think there's something helpful in there for everybody and at different stages of life, you know, you'll, you'll pick up different things and you'll, there's a lot of different keys in there and like whatever lock you're sitting in front of, I think there's high odds that like some, you can find a key in there. Right. So like read it and reread it. And that's why, you know, I spent three years rereading this book. I probably reread it 20 times. And like, there's not a lot of books you can reread 20 times and like not hate the experience of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was there for a lot of it and it, it's interesting because so much of it seemed like it's work, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're sitting down, you're editing, you're, you're doing what a lot of people would consider work, but you're reading about the idea of it all being a game and you're kind of playing with it. Right. So how did you like reconcile two, two questions, actually, how did you reconcile that? And second, did you consider quitting? Oh, I mean, 500 times. Yeah. Like, um, for, for good reasons and bad, right? Like there's times when I'm like, I've gotten what I needed to out of this and like, I don't need it. I don't need to keep doing it. And, um, and then like three days go by and you're like, well, I've invested a lot in it. And like, (laughs) if I pick it up again, I'll probably learn something new. And like, um, you know, I think like people, people ask like, how did you decide to write this book? And the truth is like, you don't decide to write it once you decide to write it a thousand times. You you can decide Mm. the decision to start is once the decision to finish is a thousand decisions, a million decisions. Um, I mean, that's a lot like Zarly, right? I mean, that's a lot like anybody that's getting up every day to go work at a startup. Like it's, it's a lot like working out. It's a lot like life. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's a lot like fucking everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a helpful thing to like realize, right? Like that you have to remake that decision every day, you know? Um, what does the rock say? Like rent is due every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but there were days when you were like, fuck rent. Like I'm not paying that shit. Yeah. Well, and also like, this is, this is a hobby. This is a side project. This right. is like, um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't work on it every day. There's, there's weeks or maybe even a period of months where I was like, I don't know what to do with this next. Like yeah, I feel I stuck. Remember. I feel whatever. like I'm going to shelf it and maybe I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll probably pick it up again. But like when, when it's, when progress doesn't yield to like hard work, you're like, I don't even know what kind of hard work to do on this. Like yeah. I can't just push through. I just got to put it down and like wait for the dust to settle. And and you can't like no amount of activity makes dust settle faster. You should yeah. go do something else. Did you feel like you like owed Naval something based on getting his blessing before compiling everything? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, like from the beginning of this, it, like that may be totally self-imposed. Well, like, maybe describe that a little bit. Like you went, you, you kind of like ran a test on Twitter. You did like your little Eric thing, didn't you? Or you were like, Hey, what do you guys think of like, if I did this yeah. and everybody was like, do it. Yeah. It was so dumb. I mean, I, I like, and by so dumb, you mean validating. And now you have a book that's out in the world and it's fucking yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But so. I mean, it, like the amount of thought that went into the validation was quite low. Right. Like, I mean, I just kind As of it should be. Yeah. I, I like threw out this tweet at like 10 o'clock at night and was like, hey, if I wrote like the book of knowledge, like, do you want it? And I made it a poll. And the <laughs> two whole I, life is just a pun, dude. It's just <laughs> Naval puns everywhere. Naval Manak, knowledge. It's <laughs> yeah, it was a fun like. I, the, the two options I put on the poll were like, shut up and take my money or shut up. Um, and it was like 60% shut up and take my money, like 40% shut up, which is <laughs> like pretty par for Twitter. And, 
it, but Naval had retweeted it and like in my sleep. And I woke up to say like 5,000 people had responded. Whoa. And so there was like thousands of people who were like, yeah, I want you to do this project. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, well, it'll probably be a three month project. Like no problem. <laughs> three, three to six months. And initially it was just like, well, I'll compile some transcripts from the big podcasts and like, didn't he just send, or did Nivi just like send you a download of everything? No. Yeah. Naval said, um, and then I was like, I'm happy to supply with whatever you need, like including old tweets, you know? Yeah. And so that was the only like not totally publicly available thing was an export of like his whole Twitter history back from like the beginning of the account. Cause like 3000 recent ones are public or whatever. Um, so yeah, we got, I got started with that spreadsheet and going through it. Um, oh, and all, I mean, all the replies to the tweet were hilarious. It was like, please do it, but with a better title, like, <laughs> Um, or, or like, how are you possibly going to add value to this? Like, you know, don't, don't touch it as better left as is. It's like, I That's totally I mean, get yeah. it. Right. There's a lot of like reasons to be skeptical about like the whole genre of like yeah. summarizations or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, books. we've learned a lot from Tim Ferriss, but we still have our moments of like, what's your motivation here? You know, yeah, I and mean, like in, in stuff that's like, there are high highs and low lows in that yeah. genre. I think like there are um, like I, I learned so much from I mean, my favorite book of all time is Poor Charlie's Almanac, right, which mm -hmm. is a compilation of, of his talks and his biography put together by Peter Kaufman. Yep. I've learned a ton from Peter Bevelin's books who kind of like, um, you know, I have a hard time just like sitting down and reading all the letters of Buffett like but I have a great time reading Peter Bevelin stitching together like the pieces of wisdom into like if, um, there, there's a fair amount like I mean, zero to one even, yeah. which is like. You know, the Peter Thiel book was really like Blake Masters notes from the class that Peter Thiel took. Yeah. And there's just so much. Um, so over and over again, I've seen like huge kind of value get unlocked and ideas get become more accessible and more synthesized through mm -hmm. this kind of like process of transforming the medium. Um, and like I had a feeling the ball was not about to sit down and write a book. You know, he's not here to like be a content master, you know, he's just yeah. like, um, he's playing a different game. He's playing, a different, he's sharing what he's interested in, in the ways that is easiest for him to do. Right. In ways yeah. that's fun. And like, yeah, the book was agonizing to put together yeah. and sand and polish and like work over and over and over again. And like, that's not something he was interested in doing and he's happy to have me do it. And great. Right. Yeah. Like, so what was it? Was it play? Did it feel playful? Like one of the biggest takeaways for me in this book is just like, if it doesn't feel playful, then yeah, you know, either like not every second of the day is going to be fucking play, but like for the most part, if it's not playful, then yeah. run the hell the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, uh, this was super, uh, definitely play for me. I mean, 80% play, right. Um, like I get the same kick out of like swimming around in these ideas and like, I don't know, I've always been a digital hoarder. Like this is the same thing I did with evergreen, right? Yeah, like I've been a digital hoarder, forever, just yeah. like accumulating new ideas and new, like, I, I just want to like hoard the knowledge and swim around in it and yeah. recategorize it and recategorize it. And like, I get the same kick out of that, that like people get from, you know, painting their models, you know, mm -hmm. their tiny little model people or like tending their garden or something like that. Like I just love doing it. Um, so it, making the leap from like only play to, you know, turning it into a book is like, I don't love copy editing and proofreading yeah. and some of the shit like that. But, um, you know, I had, I had great help along the way. Like Kathleen Martin was a wonderful editor and I used the team at scribe, like did a lot of the work to professionalize and make it like turn it from a Google doc into a real book. And, yeah. um, you so know, there's speaking. pains in the ass along the way that, yeah. that just like we're the 20% that I'm like, this is totally worth it. And it's gonna be great. And people are going to love it. And yep. especially once I got to the point where, like, where I knew people were going to love it. Um, then I was really, really motivated to like go through the slog to like get it out and 
share it. So speaking of, speaking of the slog piece, I was there. There's a lot of pieces of our lives that intertwine. And Mm. the other day I was uh, overhearing you on a zoom call with someone else with (laughs) Jesse here. And it was like five, five 36, something like that. And you said something along the lines of, Oh, you know, just punching out the clock at one job and punching it at another. And I had this moment of like, is this a job now? Like, is he still playing? Is this work now? Like, does, is he still enjoying this? Like since publishing, is it still play? It's, it's more play. Like the, the couple of times, like, yeah, after it's come out, um, I mean, now I just get to like talk about it and talk about it with people. And like, we, uh, we all have like a little bit of a common language. And so mm-hmm. like doing like podcasts is super fun. Cause like all these hosts from all around the world, like took different things and have different questions. And like, it's, it is awesome to see that happen and get to like dig. This feels like the reward for all the, for this log. Like, um, you've earned it, man. You've earned, I mean, for somebody that was sitting there through the three years of it, like next laptop to laptop on, yeah. you know, out in different places, like you've on the pool deck. On yeah. The pool that, was, deck. that was our office. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the question about you wanting to quit or not was a little bit of a softball because I remember some of those times, like at, like when we were working out together every day, Right. Like that was one of the habits that I think created our relationship, created, made us both a better person in a lot of ways. Um, But you were like, fuck, this is hard. And like I'm doing so much. And it's like it's not mine, but it's mine. And it's like I don't even know what the question is there, but that was just some difficulty. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like anything else that takes this long, I think it's like is tiring. And especially when I went in with the attitude that it was going to take three months and it took three years. And, um, I mean, some of the hardest parts were just like, I didn't have a clear vision for it. You know, like I did not know that this was going to be even a book at the beginning. I didn't know whether I should be writing original content around it or just getting out of the way. And so it took like, I mean, I probably had four different, like what I thought were finished manuscripts and like, that's just draining. Right. Like, yeah. Um, in the same way that like, you, you know, you think you have product market fit and then you lose it or like, or, or like, um, you know, but you don't get to stop working out once you're in shape. Right. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing. And you don't think, you know, from where we are now looking back, like I don't feel that pain anymore. Right. You know, like when you're at your 500th workout, you're not still like feeling the pain of the 10th. Um, you just kind of like it was in the past and you're glad you did that work to get you where you are now. Um, even if some of the days were hard. Like, yeah. It's like one of my favorite things that stuck out to me is a happy person. Isn't someone who's happy all the time. It's someone who effortlessly, effortlessly, excuse me, interprets events in such a way that they don't lose their innate peace. I love that quote so much because that like that is a, that is a th- thing that we can all get to, right? Like we can all learn to interpret things such that we don't lose our innate peace. Like that, that is a skill. It's a malleable thing. Um, how have you gotten there? Have you gotten there? I'm a lot better at it than I used to be. I'm definitely not hundred percent, right? Like sure. I was we're, ta- table flipping human. mad three days ago about some bullshit, that, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but it, it <laughs> I'm is stealing that table, <laughs> table flipping mad. That's a lot better than a lot of other expletives you could use. Table flipping mad. Uh, yeah. It was, it's like, you know, you can't, you can't solve it perfectly, but you can, you can recognize, you can learn to recognize it a little more and see the, the habits, you know, like, um, it's easier to recognize it in other people than it is to recognize it in yourself. Well, um, you're, it's one of the things about you is like, you're one of, you're one of, if not the best advice givers that 
like anytime any of our friends having an issue, I'm like, just call Eric, shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and then they talk to you and you you do your thing and you're like, well, Naval would say, and then you're like, and I would say, <laughs> and then they get to this place, you know, like you've helped people with salary negotiations. Like you've helped people with a lot of these different things, but I've always wondered if you could like, how, like, are you just talking in a mirror to your, like, how do you do that for yourself? Like, who's that person for you? Is it Bo, the CEO is early telling you to choose your fucking attitude? I, like, I think I learned, I mean, Bo is really good at this, but like the best I've ever actually seen in person. And I have hopefully osmosis a lot of that from him and just like seeing him do it, you know, a million times. Um, you know, I, I aspire to the level of like calm and chill and unruffleableness yeah. that like he has. And, um, describe a little bit more. I mean, he's been a huge part of your yeah. humanity. Describe a little bit more about him. And like, even, I, even the overlap, I mean, there's pieces of Bo that remind me of Duvall and there's pieces that don't at all, yeah. but you know, like tell, tell us a little bit more about Bo. Yeah. I mean, Bo, Bo is like a six, eight ball of charisma. Yeah. Um, who is like the happiest, like nicest, smartest, most generous person that I know. Um, and he, he's the founder of Zarly and I like, I love him from the moment I met him when I was, you know, 19 and still in school and stuff. So, um, I told him I wanted to go work for him at the Kauffman foundation here in Kansas city. And that lasted about 12 cause he left my first, literally my first day of work. Um, he quit to go start Zarly. And so instead of, you know, starting at Kauffman that day, I just kind of started as Zarly. Um, which is, which is an awesome, you know, the beginning of an awesome ride and took us to San Francisco and back to Kansas city and all over the country. And, um, yeah, we, we've, we've like gotten really close and, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're the brothers we choose, I think. Um, yeah. but he's, you know, yeah, he's like, I've learned so much about, I mean, literally what you said, just like, choose your fucking attitude. Like, yeah. it, it, is a, it is such a fundamental thing that I've heard him say like a thousand times. And like, it, it takes someone telling you that over and over again to like recognize that you can do that. And like, you know, I'll put a lot of structure and depth and like maybe philosophical rigor behind it or whatever. But like the kernel of appreciating that as an idea, like definitely came from Bo. And I've never seen anyone. It's easy to read about it and be like, I would like to do that. But I think it helps you have to maybe see somebody living it in order to believe that it's possible to that extent. And I don't know, that's an idea that I love that just like you can, you can change like tens or hundreds or thousands of lives just by living your best life and showing people what's possible, right? Showing people that it's possible to be like, always choose a positive attitude to be unruffleable to like, you know, interpret events positively so that you never lose your peace. Right. Um, to me, that like for me, that comes from empathy and understanding. Like yeah. pe people get angry about, you know, the actions that other people take. And there's, a, I think it's like an Austrian economic idea that like other people are always rational. Like you have to start from the assumption that whatever other people are doing, they're not stupid. They're not malicious. They're not evil. Yeah. They're doing the thing that is rational for them, for their set of, you know, yeah. genetics and experience doing and the world best they view can and perspective with the they have. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, as soon as you start from a place of like condemnation and like, then you can't, you can't empathize and you, you're like trying to put them in a place that they don't think is, is optimal for them. And like, all of a sudden you, you've lost your peace, right? Cause you think you know what's better for them or you think you know what they should be doing or whatever. Um, and, and you don't like that's such a, 
um, it's a pretty egotistical idea to think like, I know what's better for a stranger, right? Like mm. in totally different circumstances. Um, and just like, I don't know, manage your own shit, like trying yeah. to take care of people, do the, do the best you can to support them. But you've also got to trust them to know, um, really what's best for them and what they're optimizing for. Like we're all so unique. It's just really hard to like, yeah. Does that lead to the level of autonomy that you've kind of had at Zarly? Like that sense of just assuming that everybody's doing the best that they can is like, or just like the way of leadership that kind of exists there. Cause I think there's a really, I mean, it's been a roller coaster, right? Like ups and downs, but it seems to have always been a place where you could go and do your best work. Yeah. I mean, Bo, Bo's mode is very like, I'm going to choose the best people I can and I'm going to trust their judgment. Yeah. Like, um, and every, like conversely, every mistake I've ever seen him make like in retrospect was like an over trusting mistake, not a trusting mistake. Right. Um, and he's like, I will make over trusting mistakes all day long that like I will choose to err on that side. And I'm happy with the results that come from that. Right. Um, so it's, it is a, it comes from personality and it comes from choice and it comes from probably a lot of things, but, um, yeah, it is like a little bit of a unique yeah. environment that way. And, and, you know, there's definitely, you know, pros and cons that come out of it. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Well, so one of the, one of the like complete opposite things that I think about when, when Bo comes to mind, when, when Bo comes to mind or when I think about just him in the world, I think of like this aura of energy that's just like sprinting from place to place. Yeah. And one of the things that I heard, I, I think it was on, I think it was on the Tim Ferriss podcast that he did with Naval, where he was talking about how you just need to go and sit. You do, The only rule is you can't do anything else. You know, it's just you go, you sit and you if you have a meditation prompt, if you have this, if you have the, whatever, you just go and sit. And it's like this doing of nothing that allows knowledge to flow in kind of a thing. Have you taken on that habit do you do that like how what is the set of habits that have allowed for you to get better at this thing that we're talking about um i'm not like a a rigorous meditator um but i am like you're a rigorous sitter (laughs) i do like as as you know a little closer i can only really truly meditate in a hot tub I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. We're going to mention the hot tub multiple times. We knew it was going to come up. Yeah. So should we explain the tubbing and like the amount of weird homoeroticism that we're not going to get into here? (laughs) For listeners, as a side note, Eric and I go to the same gym. We fell in love at the gym and we spent a lot of time hatching our life plans inside of that gym's hot tub that also has a cold plunge and we'd hot, cold, hot, cold. Because that's good for life and good for brains. It's good for life and good for brains. And it's like, it's a, you know, calming, like no phone environment right. that like you feel like, I don't know. I've already, I'm just like sitting in the corner of my living room and meditating or whatever and like doing nothing, but I yeah. have no problem like walking quietly or no problem like sitting in a hot tub for like hours. And it's like, I don't know, it relaxes your body, which relaxes your mind and you just kind of like let things go. Um, and it was, it's, great but we also we've had a million like you know of our most important life conversations in that in that hot tub and like i don't know there's some weird like sort of euphoria that sets in above you know 102 like degree body temperature and yeah um yeah it's it's, weird the aha moments that have been had 
And it's not even like we talked the whole time, which is weird. You're one of the few friends I have that I don't have to be talking with. Yeah. Like we can just sit there and then one of us will just randomly have a thought and then we'll say it. And then, you know, that's how conversations start. Yeah. But like there's, there's, it's like an energy there and that it, yeah. that it forces you into that position that I think, and it's kind of, I want to, I hate the fucking term double click, but I want to double click on the idea of the physical and the mental and the interplay. And like, how much did like the weightlifting piece of this and that habit, you know, because those are, those are kind of intertwined, right? It was like weightlifting and then we would just go sit and do nothing. Yeah. And like, how much, how much has that habit made a difference? And did that drive any more of like this? Because I know Naval's like at least a kettlebell guy and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, we started working out every day and lifting together, like around the time that I think I started this book. Maybe a little bit before, like you would, I think it was like right around when you had done the tweet. I remember talking about at the gym. So it was like pre book, but like we were, we're moving. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like, um, it's it's fucking nerdy of me to like get this, but like to me, weightlifting to me has given me so many different like new mental models Mm -hmm. of it is like such a good, clear, like numeric metaphor for all of the things that are hard to measure. And, um, you know, just like consistency over time, the fact that you can only do a day's work in a day, the fact that like, if you keep piling up those good days work, you will get somewhere incredible over time. The fact that there are, um, like, load bearing habits behind weightlifting, like sleep, like nutrition, like, um, you know, not drinking too much. Um, I like the too much there. That was good. I don't want to qualify it. You know? I mean, yeah, I've read yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography like that. Homie drank. Homie drank. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That's a fact that we have the uh, the new encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding actually sitting under my computer. And yeah, yeah. Homie, homie. Uh, he was feeling himself here and there at multiple points. Yeah. And the like, steroids probably helped. But anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was wild. He's like, I put eggs and milk in beer and drank it all. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Okay. Um, yeah. He's Austrian, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the most Austrian sentence that's ever been spoken kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> I remember there was a piece of there. He's like, I would go to the bar. I didn't love drinking. I had one or two beers, but I loved going to the bars for the fights. <laughs> yeah. And the the beer halls back in the day were like you would go and do feats of strength. Right. Like he would. What and I think I'm thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger in this case. But when he was growing up, like you would go to these bars and they would like it would almost be like a strongman competition in the midst of the bar. And that's like kind of how he started lifting. Maybe that doesn't sound wrong. It doesn't I, totally I sound right, though. I might be thinking of like one of the. uh it sounds like old fashioned. This but is I don't one of those Joe Rogan Austria. moments where I wish I had a Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. We will fact check that before we uh, put that out there. But no, um, we won't. Pretty fucking sure. Yeah, we won't. We won't. <laughs> will we? We really won't. But so what are so I mean, your life previously, like you had been competitive rowing. Like I, I want to dig into this lifting thing. Number one, because it's so much of where my life is and like what makes me happy. But like, I think you went from you went from kind of like you had lifted before, but in a lot of ways you went from novice to like intermediate to experience very fast, I think. And what, like, how did you do that? Um, I just listened to you basically. As uh, this, <laughs> I did not mean that to be a softball, but like you, you, no, bought, seriously. you bought books, like you, yeah, you yeah. you'd learn shit on your own. Yeah. I mean, I went, um, I went pretty all in on it as like making it that part. I might've forced you. Yeah. That part was like, get your ass over here. Well, I mean, it was a good, like, um, 
I, I tried to like combine all of the habits to like make this a very big, deliberate, clear change in my life. And and part of it was from like the idea of Renaval that like your personal health has to come before every other priority because it, it is obvious when you are sick, but it is not obvious when you just like let days and days and days go by where like your health is slowly eroding in like mm-hmm. not obvious ways, but because you are not proactively taking care of your body or eating nutritiously or whatever. Yeah. Um, the average American decline. Yeah. I mean, when I moved to Kansas city, I very deliberately like found the nicest gym that I could and moved to the like nearest apartment. Yes. Like, so I live next door to the gym because I knew that like the closer I lived to the gym, the more often I would go. I didn't realize that was a conscious decision. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, in San Francisco, like my daily triangle was like office, gym, home or gym, home office Yeah, or both. And that was like, I was like, if the smaller this triangle is like mm-hmm. the less travel time I have and the more, the less friction there is between me and the gym. So maybe I'll go like on weekends when I'm not already going to go to the office or whatever. So, um, what that was, was what was different about San Francisco versus Kansas City, though? Because it, feel, it feels like like you learned a lot in KC. Like it feels like you were like, oh, that, that's a thing I didn't realize or this or that. Or like it feels like you like almost started over in that yeah. shift. Yeah. I mean, I, like I just had never spent a ton of time in the weight room. Yeah. So like I didn't I, I wasn't like confident doing like advanced compound movements or like um, I wasn't running a program. Right. I was just like yeah. going to the gym and yeah. like lifting what I could. And then I would like. Yeah you know, do a swimming workout or whatever. So I was like, and you're walking whatever miles and miles a day. So, yeah. um, speaking of things like, you don't do in Kansas City. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, yeah, we had to work a little harder at that, but like, I mean, we combined like the time that we would hang out was at the, at the gym and I would like, um, you know, I developed a, a robust caffeine and pre-workout addiction that was like you're paired welcome. up, paired up with the gym also. Thanks to you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it, and like when we finished the workout, we did the hot tub, which is like, which is awesome and relaxing. And you just like put all of these things together and it just becomes like a, a new habit and a new lifestyle kind of all at once. Um, and at the same time, you're building like confidence in these metaphors because you're like mm-hmm. seeing progress and you're learning. And then you start to like, you know, we were we were measuring like we're taking all of our like bodybuilding measurements every day. And like, yeah, we were know, weighing ourselves. Measured, we, we were doing we were, everything. We were on we the bod pod like quarterly. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. So we were doing like, you know. <laughs> high science body fat percentage and shit oh, like that. for the rest of the world, you have to I have to have to paint a picture here. So the most vivid memory that I have of us going to the bod pod was me, you, Jesse, my girlfriend, Bo. And I think it was just us for Andrew Thomas and Andrew Thomas, and Andrew Thomas from uh, who is a old friend from the first startup that I ever worked at, who is a wonderful, wonderful human. And Eric, for if the world doesn't know, is what you're six six, mm-hmm. something like that, six six seven when standing yep. correctly. Uh, Bo's six eight, and like legitimately did not fit in this small little spaceship looking thing. <laughs> and that's the entire story. It's just this tiny little thing, and you're forcing a six eight six foot eight man into this tiny little yeah, contraption. Like a tiny little. It's like sitting in a. I don't know. How do you even explain it? Like, it looks like a spaceship and then you close it and then it air this airlock seal. And then it d- tells you exactly how much you yeah. weigh, exactly your body fat edge and exactly like how much water you are and yeah. BMI and all of this kind of stuff. But it looks like a little egg. Yeah. It's like the size of a trunk of a car. Like there's yeah. only room for a chair. And then like they close a like lid on you, your face um, for 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. Four times or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so coming <laughs> that just that memory just I can like viscerally see it. 
So what you said, though, (laughs) speaking of Bo and speaking of the gym, this is one of the uh, other things that like so much of. Like, I think a lot of people are going to be confused as shit because, like, I don't want to talk about fintech with you. Right. Like, this is this is for fintech sake, but this has nothing to do with fintech. And I don't know shit about fintech. This is why we're going this direction. (laughs) But I think there's so many mental models here. And like you have helped me become the person I am because of this quote, I think. And Bo has helped you become the person you are. And like. I appreciate what you said earlier, and I hope that I have helped you in certain ways, like physically and things like that as well. But 100 percent. The quote is, I love you. When working, surround yourself with people more successful than you. When playing, surround yourself with people happier than you. There's no question with that. Just like it just fucking resonates. And I feel like there was this balance in our lives where like we were very lucky to be able to have a friend, like maybe one based on where I had come from in life and my set of circumstances, like I was the guy that knew what to do in the gym. And I was very confused about this like business thing that I was getting into. And like, I knew I cared about finance, but like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with all that. And I also think when I first met you, I was pretty unhappy at my first startup and I was in the process of leaving. And mm-hmm. like, I like kind of shunned away your friendship for a little bit. Cause I was like, I don't want to like, no, because of the person that introduced us a little bit, yeah. but it's, it just, it gets you, I just feel very lucky to have had that experience where I was maybe further along with a certain thing. You were further along with the other thing. And we just kind of pulled each other up this fucking hill. I think we both needed, we both needed to like have a thing that we were better than the other person at. Like I, we both had like egotistical reasons to resist our friendships. At the, Cause I did the same when we started going to the gym together. I was like, I want to go to the gym with Zach. He can lift more than me. He knows more than me. <laughs> I want to preserve my like fragile little gym ego. Um, and it, it was just very like, you know, we had a, we had a totally a good, like drag each other up the hill. Yeah. Like, um, and it was, it was great. And, uh, like, I'm very glad for, you know, I'm super grateful for our friendship and where we are now and like how f- much farther up the hill we are for each other's help. Yeah. You know? It's been a weird year of not being able to do that together. It is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you give me far too much credit for like, I mean, the path that you were already on and all the people and all of the stuff that you already knew, like, um, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I would think like pull my you, lower back and like, I would just well, be like paralyzed without you and you'd be like exactly where you are without me. I don't think that's true, man. I, re- I really don't think that's true. I think there's this set of things where, you know, we've both had, we've both had very different fathers and very different father experiences in our life. But I think there's this thing where neither of us had, well, I, I have a half brother, but he's like 20 years older than me and lives in Hawaii. And, you know, neither of us had a brother. And mm-hmm. there's this. It's really hard to get close enough with somebody to be honest enough to give them the data that they need for them to give you the honest feedback that you actually need to fucking hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it takes a huge. It takes a huge leap at the right time, I think, because like too soon into a relationship like that can just destroy the friendship or whatever. Some people aren't maybe, stage five clinger. Yeah. Run. <laughs> Some people maybe are like capable of giving it or like respected enough, even if like you are good friends. It's like, I, like I love you, but I don't trust your judgment on the thing that you're trying to give me advice on or whatever. Yep. Like it's a, it's a tough needle to thread. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think like an interesting thing coming out of this is like, a lot of people are trying to figure out their specific knowledge, right? Like it's a a thing from the book that like your unique combination of your genetics and your perspective and your talents and your interests. Um, 
and a lot of people are like, what's my specific knowledge? Like, how do I know what it is? Um, It's an exhausting question sometimes. It's hard. And it's like, it is really difficult to get good, like, knowledge of yourself it's, it's hard for so you to hard get to it. answer it's hard it to find other people it's yeah. hard for you to do it really maybe impossible for you to do it yourself but maybe not totally like hard it's hard to get it yourself also hard to get it from other people like this is horoscopes this is fucking myers-briggs this is right. like you know like performance reviews and yeah. like whatever there's there's a ton of flawed mechanisms that you can just see people like striving for like fucking tell me who i am and what i'm good at and like people even have a hard time deciding what they're interested in. Like that's one of the most fascinating that I, I have a hard time with that because I'm interested in everything. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's yeah. just like, I, and that is, that is the double edged sword, right? It's like, if you're interested in everything, what is your specific knowledge? Because you have no specific knowledge because your knowledge is everything, except you don't go deep enough. You only go wide enough. And I think now I've had enough caffeine, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, four empty coffee cups around you. <laughs> hey, yours is still just like sitting there looking hey, at here you. We go, so, here we go. You know, we're going to, oh, we're no, going to get up. there. Um, I just, have, I just, just so much gratitude, man. I don't know. I just, I think about that specific knowledge thing and I think about how <laughs> he's opening the coffee. Heard the, it next, first. the next stimulant. I think about, I still don't know if I know what my specific knowledge is, but I also think it's it's just like an onion that you peel back. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, as you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about is a lot of the time people don't want their specific knowledge to be their specific knowledge. Mm, do they like resist what it yeah. is? Yeah. Like I aspire I to somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like there's all these things that I, and I think that's one of the other things of like why I avoided our friendship at the beginning is like so many things about you are who I want to be, but I wasn't or am not or I don't know. I'll unpack that later with my therapist, but you know, there's like, Oh, he's done this thing like in Silicon Valley. Like he moved back from San Francisco, you know, cause I'm like grew up in the hood. Like, I don't know. Like the idea of going and working in Silicon Valley was like a shiny object on a hill. And you were like, by the way, this is how it actually works. Like you <laughs> don't meet your heroes, you know? And, but I still wanted to do it. And there was just these pieces of like, God, I really want to be able to do that. Yeah, dude, I felt the same way watching you fucking squat 400 pounds. I was like, I don't need to be here for this. I want to look at it. I can't watch this happen. That was a different time in life. But it's what 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 would you recommend to people to figure out their specific knowledge? Like ask others, I guess, is step one. But beyond that. Yeah. And how do you ask others? So I've been like just randomly trying to answer dms about this basically like to, to like do it on the fly and try to like see if we can come up with a helpful framework so yeah um, we'll plug the book club here uh, in a little uh, bit sure's what i got so far um but you know not universally applicable and um other caveats so i think like you know the thing that naval recommends is like or, or the story that he tells is that his mom knew his specific knowledge he's like i'm gonna be a physicist and she's like you're gonna go into business and he's like no I'm not um wow so that was a piece that's pretty interesting that like your parents probably have just like seen patterns of you. I mean, they've studied you and watched you more than probably anybody else. Right. So, um, and the things that you were doing when you were young are probably like a Hmm. little closer to your, like your instinctive talents or interests. Right. Um, but asking your parents, I think is a good start or siblings or like either friends from childhood or, um, or any close friends. Um, so that's the first, the second is probably, uh, look for the things. What, what are the things that people ask you for help on? 
the, the things that other people recognize you as talented in. Right. Um, so if people ask you for help, you know, um, like for me, it tends to be like, I wrote this, help me like, see if this is, you know, a well-packaged, well-articulated idea. Like, is this clear? Are people going to understand this? Or, um, you know, for other people's, it might be like, you know, help me, can you take a look at the design of this? Like, does this visually resonate? Is it clear? Is it yeah, stuff like that? Um, you know, I think people come to you a lot in crisis. Like, really? I, I think like, yeah, people, I mean, like, I remember you were just like incredibly reliable and calm and clear. And like, you almost operate your best when like some or all of a room is on fire. Wow. Um, I've never really thought about that or of that. But now that you think about it, like, especially in the Fountain City FinTech days, that's quite. Dude, I feel like every single it's week true. you have some story that's like someone called you and you had to drop everything and like run and like get yeah. a cat off of a roof or I called you to like save my life like during your oh giant fucking thing like right yeah um, that was an evening that was an evening um, this man saved my life with a Gatorade and in like a dark moment he just drove faster than an ambulance it was, it was wonderful it was a cra- um, that was a crazy evening dude that was that was demo day two at fountain city fintech yeah and i was just like eric's not here and it's like you know there's only so many six foot six like you know you stick out in a crowd my dude yeah and yeah. it was just like he's not here and then i check my phone and it's like so I might need you to take me to the hospital. And I'm like, what? How, what, how, like, did you pregame that? Hard? Like what happened here? And then we just got in the car and like, avoid, like, I think I skipped the whole party and just like came. I was so scared, dude. Yeah, it was, it was late, but it was like, I was like, I'm going to call an ambulance if you're not here with a like high, uh, electrolyte liquid in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I couldn't stand. I was, I was just like, you were on literally floor. on the floor in the bathroom. Like I, if there was a leading with vulnerability kind of moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I like unlocked the door so that you could get in and then blacked out. Um, it was a, it was a rough, wow, I don't think I realized you blacked out. I mean, I knew you were in a really hard spot. You were not yeah. like there, yeah, it was, but it was bad. Uh, PSA, like keep Pedialyte or Gatorade in your house on a low shelf of your fridge. If you live alone, a low you- shelf of the fridge specifically as you drag yourself across the floor. I think this is a good example of what we're talking about because you're the first person to ever say to me that that's a thing. Yeah. Nobody's ever said to me before that I'm like the crisis. Yeah. So ask your friends. Yeah. Well, ask you, your friends. Uh, so ask your yeah, <laughs> circling back because you and I are so good on focus. Ask your parents. Ask your friends. Um, ask your friends. Look look for the things that people ask you for help on. Um, and like, do you like system like Jesse has run. Jesse is my girlfriend for the record for those listening, um, which I don't normally reference her on for fintech sake. And I have like five times today. So <laughs> I feel like we got to clarify. Well, it's, stage. A, yeah, it's a lot more like, you know, life context. In yeah. This than, yeah. And also she helped you like edit the book and has been like yeah. helping you with stuff. So yeah, she's um, wonderful. No, I forgot where I was fucking going. Ask your parents, ask your oh, friends, ask your Jesse has a couple times like built a literal Google survey and like Mm. sent it to like three questions to people of like, what am I really good at? What do I suck at? Or forget what the questions are, but should people like be running a playbook or should they just be like, you know, I mean, like there are probably, if you don't know what to ask, like there's probably versions of that, like what's your superpower, what's your kryptonite, like that kind of stuff. Um, But I think like a, I don't know, open-ended, like you might get, more interesting answers um and just like just remember to dig like you know one back and forth might not get you interesting stuff like be like we're gonna talk about this for 20 minutes and like see how far we get um 
yeah, that's one. Um, the other is just like, look, look at your hobbies. Like, what do you do for fun? Right. Like I wrote this book for fun, like for quote unquote fun. Like I will sit there and read and reread and reread and reread stuff that I find interesting and just yeah. like organize ideas and collect them and like Nerd do all alert. this stuff. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you for fun get fucking 88 pound kettlebells and like throw them up over your head. Um, so like at the end of the day, basically you should go be a author of some sort and do this on a rate. Basically you should take this seat and I should go become personal trainer. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah, you should go to Ireland and become a like stone throwing, like, if only I had kilt, kilt wearing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that actually is. This is has nothing to do with anything, but it is on my bucket list to go to. Uh, I think they're in Scotland. The Scot oh, the Scottish God. stones. Yeah, yeah. Go and like lift those stones. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's do that. It's they have like certain. It's like the they're like specific stones that in over history have been lifted by the you know, and we got to like train for by a year worthy. and then we'll yeah, go to Scotland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, bucket list. Um. So ask your parents, ask your friends, dig in. What did, when you asked your parents, what'd they tell you? Um, they, I should do this more deliberately. Um, what do you mean? I like, I haven't actually done this super like as a kid. What did, like, I mean, your dad was running a business. Your mom has been in the healthcare industry. Like what? Yeah. As a kid, what did your parents say? Like, you're going to do this. did they give you that at all? Um, not like it, I was never like forced into a direction. Like I was, I was pretty, um, they were very sure. Whatever you do, do it well, yeah. but like do what you're interested in. I mean, I remember like, uh, it was weird. A thing I did when I was a kid that I don't do at all anymore is draw, right? Like I would make full ass comic books, like start to finish, wow. bind them. Like, um, I loved Calvin and Hobbes and like yeah. Roald Dahl growing up. Um, I read a lot oh, of that fiction. Hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, Calvin and Hobbes changed. is still there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can see like, layers of personality come from like childhood authors and stuff that I yeah. like obsessed about. But, um, how did books become such a big part of your life? You have one of the, like the largest series. Like if you look at all the books in, well, the other room, um, you this, know, this is the shoe room, this the shoe and the, hat yeah. room. This is the drip room. We got swag everywhere in here. <sighs> Grow up poor, make a little <laughs> bit of money and then you buy too many shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, anyways, um, Oh, you know, I, I've, I've just always been one to listen to books. And I also just, the way I grew up with, like my dad wanted to be a poet and I had this thing about like, fuck the written word for some reason, just because of like the pendulum swing in the other direction or something. Yeah. But how did, how did that happen for you? I mean, I, I remember like, uh, getting into trouble for like staying up too late reading. Um, wow. I think, I think it was just that like, we didn't have. I feel like I've seen that in movies, but I didn't know that was an actual. Oh thing. yeah. It was like under the covers of flashlight. Yeah, flashlight. Like, like hold on. Okay. Supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, that was like, Eric, you got school in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is reading for school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, promise mom, I got to read Ender's game for second grade. <laughs> <laughs> this was, why am I, why am I like a four year old old man? I don't know. Impression? It's just, uh, you're Benjamin Button to me. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we like, we didn't watch a lot of TV. Like it was pretty, like, I think it was the absence of other, you know, I was the only child and like, yeah, I could only watch like half hour TV, like a day or whatever. So it was very much like that was the default entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just like dove into it and like, we had a lot of them around. So I was able to find something interesting. And, um, it was just the way that you could kind of like 
get into whatever you wanted to get into and relive things and explore things. We went to the library a lot. Like, I don't know. It was just great. Like, I didn't know that it was unusual. Yeah. It was just like how our family was. And like, you know, we'd sit there and like my dad, we'd all just be like reading our books. Um, wow. Yeah. That is non-average or at least in my experience, non-average. Like, yeah. My parents were like, here's a TV. It will entertain you. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. You know, and then like, cause my tendencies were to not shut up, but <laughs> you know, anyways, that's, that's really interesting. Did you ever growing? I mean, no, the answer is no, but did you ever think you would be an author? Uh, not, not particularly. Like it, it was never like my goal necessarily. Right. Um, right. but if I just found, we've been like cleaning out my parents' house a little bit and I did find a book that I wrote and I was like six and bound it. And I had this little like cute author bio. That's like, what was it about? Um, it was about like, I wrote it for my dad for his birthday. And it was like the story of us trying to find a birthday gift for him that we couldn't find like this <laughs> super specific album or something. Did you um, write it the night before? Like, <laughs> this is like the cover was laminated. Oh, okay. This no, she like, put some effort. It wasn't yeah, like, uh, I, I, I wrote this because I forgot your birthday. No, we would have put like for two months, we were trying to find this stupid fucking album. Um, and we went to all these different places, like met all these different people. And it was like the story of trying to find that. Um, cause this is what you did before Amazon is you drove to radio shack and then drove to Harmony House and then you drove to like Best Buy and Circuit City and all, and all these places how, that like, don't exist anymore. Yeah, it's like we're slow and anybody that's like slightly older than us is going to be like, oh, shut up, kids. But like we're slowly getting to that age where we can date ourselves with by saying the things that we did at certain times, you know, yeah, like Radio Shack. Like if you yeah. ask Gen Z, you know, they're like, what? You're not missing anything. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. Amazon is better than any of these things. But also there was like I don't know. It's just, it's interesting how, I mean, I'm looking literally at a picture of me and Henry block and thinking about, you know, just one of the things in the book that fascinated me was the way that Naval would kind of talk. I forget the exact quote. And I don't think that I actually labeled the page, but thinking of like the human condition as software that continuously needs updating. Mm. Right. And Henry RIP, like one of the best humans to ever live coming out of Kansas city, especially like a Titan of his time built H and R block from a tax law uh, that happened to happen that him and his brother fell backwards into. And it's, it's a company that is ebbing and flowing as best as it can, but it's really hard to update yourself over time. And it gets harder yeah. I feel like as you get older, you just get more set in those stones. Yeah. And I'm curious what you had to unlearn to be able to get to the point of putting this out there. Like you put a lot of yourself into this and then put it out there. And a lot of it's Naval, but what habits did you have to un Eric? in order to be able to do this successfully or just like what habits have you had to unlearn in general? Because I think of you as this, like, I think having perfect habits in a lot of ways. Cause oh I, God, I, dude. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I, it's partial. I mean, you live at Woodside. So like that fruit hangs kind of low, right? You can go do a lot of that. Um, you're, you're just a person that like, when I call you, you're generally doing something a lot more productive than I am. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm, it's your habits fascinate me. Um, I don't know. I found, I found like ways to enjoy things that are also like that others perceive as productive, but like I enjoy them. Right. Um, so it's not, it's not very masochistic. Yeah. Um, 
at all. I mean, that, the thing to learn, I think like you, you watched me go through, which is like learning, relearning nutrition and like food habits. Like that was the thing that like, we just grew up like meat it as two servings, like eat whatever you want when you want. And, you know, I didn't really understand how to like set a diet and like what the right mix of macros and micronutrients were and all that stuff. So like yeah. that was, um, that was probably the biggest change as far as like over the course of my life, like what, what will change because I unlearn and relearn that habit, um, and exercise probably being the second one. Um, but like, you know, we grew up reading books and having fun playing with ideas and stuff. So like that yeah. is a habit and a, like a hobby for me that is like kind of comes easily. Um, that like, if you didn't, it looks like work, but like that's recreation for me. Do you think you could have done this without the habits of nutrition in the gym? Like, do you think you could, well, I'm sure you could have done it, but do you think, how did that, what difference did that make? Did it make it healthier? Did it make it easier? Did it make it? it helps. So like, this is, um, all of my like side project stuff so far has been like, blog posts, tweets, stuff like that. And it's been all pretty high cycle time, like short and editable things. Like there's nothing physical. There's no like thing that once you leap or ship, like you can't change. Um, and certainly nothing that I've like worked on for three years. Yeah. Right. The barriers, the barriers to entry of a tweet storm are a lot lower than yeah. a publishing of a yeah. net new novel. Yeah. Which, which I think is like the right view when you're like yeah. young and in your twenties, like you just got to get in reps and like, see if anybody gives a shit about any idea and like, yeah, d just do get used to publishing. And so yeah. like I, that was, that was Twitter and evergreen for me is like, gave me confidence that like stuff I put out in the world, like at least somebody will care about. And it was like worth thinking about. And like, on the one hand, I'd be doing it anyway. On the other hand, like there's, you know, rewards and dopamine that come from that. It's awesome. This book was like, you know, there are thresholds that like Rubicons and you cross that line, like you cannot go back like a couple of them. And they're, those psyched me out a little bit. Cause it was my first time going through them and putting out something that like is close to unmalleable once it's out there and you yeah. know, is going to look outdated in 10 years, um, was hard and working on something over the three years like that. And, and the diet exercise, weightlifting thing, like I was doing both at the same time and I had to like get in the mindset of like, you know, this is an evolution, but like impatience with action, patience with results. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to nail every day, but I can't nail three days, three years in one day. Yeah. Like I just got to do today's work today. And like, that was the, the mantra for like getting through the book, figuring out and, and like, you know, lifting and eating. Right. Like yeah, man. If, if you check these four boxes and I actually had like this, this app that, um, uh, I forget what it was called. Um, Patrick O'Shaughnessy recommended it. It's like one of those like basic habit trackers. You can like set whatever habits you want. Streaks just or like, something. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I have like one day or something like that. They're probably a, you know, they're probably a sponsor of this incredibly monetized podcast. So we got to be careful <laughs> about how we talk about, you know, um, it's free. <laughs> so is this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I just put like four things on there and just like, you know, if you check off, like did I follow the meal plan that I get in the gym you know, finish my workout and did I like put yeah. 20 minutes? I, it was, I usually like Jerry Seinfeld rule, right? Like just yeah. put in 20 minutes a day. Um, and sometimes I was two hours and, and some days you don't, you know, nail all of them, but like, that's yeah. okay. You get back on the horse the next day. And like, that was one can, of the things you showed me was that, uh, I forget what it was now I'm forgetting the name of an app, but it was that happy weight, happy, happy scale, happy, happy scale. Yeah. yeah. Happy scale. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Just weighing your ass every day. Mm -hmm. It was like the sense of reality check and like, 
Yeah. I start Which, the day with this and now I go on and I you know, build your whole feedback loop, right? Yeah, like it's, it's yeah. much harder to like, you know, order a pizza the night before when you know you're going to weigh your ass in the next morning and yeah. be like mad at yourself if you, you know, didn't didn't do what you needed yeah. to do that day. Do you feel like there's pieces of that that were what are the pieces of like that whole experience that were sustainable or that are sustainable? Because at least for me, like I'm not weighing myself every day. Like I, I, I especially during the pandemic, I would go absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, I will like, my thing is I do 10 kettlebell getups every single day. And if I don't do anything else, it's okay. But I'm doing it like just that, mm. like that's my Seinfeld. But like, I wish I had that as a writing thing, you know, I, and this is another example of like, I wish I was, you would, you often wish you are what you aren't. And yeah. I'm like, I will every day I'll do my kettlebell get ups, but like some days I won't do this thing that I know I should do for the podcast or this thing that I know I should do for, you know, whatever else. Yeah. But, but you're like, you've prioritized that. Right. And like, you yeah. can't have too many of those things. Like if you have five, like must do every days, yeah. like then you're fucked up. Right. Yeah. Like then you're in this state of like constant self punishment yeah. because it's not realistic to do all of those oh, things and like yeah. go get your cat off the roof when people will your friends call. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like life gets in the way. And so having like a very low, I think that's like a, a good one. There's like one, maybe two basic habits. So like if you yeah. do them every day, you are in like good agreement with yourself. Right? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite else is gravy. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite Diana Canderisms, like, she'll say this to actual clients is like, I do three things a day. That's mm-hmm. it. Three things. And maybe one of them is like taking the dog for a walk, but like three things, Yeah, you know, and it's just the simplicity of it and like the, the boundary of it. Yeah. And I've started doing that a little better, like with, um, like make it a little daily planner in notion and like the priorities yeah. are different every day. And I don't know this, the, we're filming this during quarantine still or recording it during quarantine. And so like yeah. the gym where I should be is like the gym is the first habit every day and the first check mark. And if I do that, great. Um, and everything else is gravy, but that's not, not the reality this year. Um, but as like quickly where we'll get back to, I think. What has the reality been this year? Like based on the we're all fucking struggling, right? Like yeah. I, I was in an apartment going absolutely insane. Now we're in this house a little bit less insane, but it's all like yeah. levels of insanity. Yeah. I mean, this has been a, you know, we alluded to it earlier. It's been a crazy year. Like, yeah. um, so there's pretty much been a different, what feels like encouragement priority every day. Yeah. What's, um, what's stayed consistent for you through that? Like what is, what has kept you sane? Because I mean, one of the things I told you that I wouldn't go too deep into during this is the, like your dad died this year. Yeah. And also Janine moved to town. Like you've had, you know, you've had people in your life, like come closer and go further. And it seems hard to do that without a rock somewhere. Yeah. On. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of figuring out things for the first time. Um, yeah. during a time when everything is also new and different and, right. and weird. So, um, you just like kind of gotten into the skill of getting reoriented and reprioritizing. And I've learned a lot about that this year um, and doing it, you know, it was, it was kind of frenetic at first, like the process every time. And it was stressful to get reoriented. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, just the number of times that you had to do a last minute 12 hour drive to Michigan and then, you know, maintain the day job. And by the way, I'm writing a book. And by the way, I need to in some way, shape or form, take care of my health. Like, yeah. And, you know, learning to care for family that like just a lot of new responsibilities and, you know, balancing new things. And you adulted um, harder this year than you ever have. That's for sure. Yeah. Or have ever have had to or that anybody should ever have to, honestly. But (laughs) it was not ideal planning uh, as far as you don't plan these things. No, um, not. No, you don't. But but maybe you should. (laughs) That's. Yeah. Yeah. We got into that a little bit on the walk too, but we won't go there right now. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, you learn the skill of getting reoriented and it becomes a new normal relatively quickly. Um, just as far as like, you know, learning to let small fires burn and learning like the opportunity cost of your time goes up over time. And that's a good thing. And it's uncomfortable to like, let what used to be a huge priority sit idle for like a meaningful period of time. And like, you know, my inbox is a shit show, which yeah. I use it like feel right. really bad about. I really want to like get back to a bunch of people. And does like, it mess with your sense of self? Like, is it my, like kind of like us? That's what it does to me sometimes when my, when I feel that I'm like, am I the person I used to be? Am I really who I think or thought I you, was? You don't want to stay the person that you used to be necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, Peter Coffin has this like thing that I think, uh, so he's like, if you saw a child at age 10 and a child at age 15 and they were the same, that'd be a tragedy. Yeah. But like we see adults at 30, adults at 35 and expect them to be completely the same. Wow. And like, we don't view adult stasis as a tragedy. We view it as normal, almost desired, right? Like anytime adults try to change themselves meaningfully, they feel they encounter social resistance from the people around them who just really want them to be like, reliable like most of the people in our lives we just want them to be like reliable and stay in soul and like stay what they are yeah rather than root them on to change right like there are very few people in your life that you actually like root on to change and um rather than like subtly keep your expectation like communicate your expectation to them that they say the same um it's something that like when you recognize like i try i try really hard to like only encourage people to change and like yeah um you don't write stay how you are on birthday cards or anything it doesn't it, sound like no and, no and nobody does it intentionally yeah. but like but it's, everybody does that now that it, like if i went and got my senior year yearbook like i think you know of the six friends i had three of them probably signed stay the same bud and th- i mean think of like what you know what your habit changes me i remember when you were like i'm going into competitive bo- competitive bodybuilding i was like <laughs> fucking please don't honestly please don't um which is like an extreme version but like uh you know i it is the thing that i recognize that the default is to not help people change and support their change and i I try really hard to like get there that was good advice Um, for me not to do that for the record i appreciate it i I stand by it Um, there's no one in my life that wanted me to go to that point no you took a you took a wide poll and you were mad at all of us for about a week i was yeah yeah i was pretty why aren't you supporting my dreams and we're like god damn it yeah zach could you think of a lower utility way to use your time (laughs) Mm, no (laughs) damn it Uh, i'm having so much fun yeah Yeah. I think we, we, we found the right balance there in, in retrospect. But, yes. Um, yeah, I think like, I think it's good to change and it's good to, I mean, you want to be, you want to evaluate the kind of changes that you make, but you, you have to be like, when you 
when you are letting fires burn that used to be your highest priority is a sign that your opportunity cost of your time is going up right mm. and, that, and that is a good thing like a project that you would have like dove on and obsessed about at 25 like maybe isn't doesn't even make the list at 30 and that's a good thing like that is a sign of growth um it's not a sign i don't think like you can beat yourself up that's like you know I want to answer every email that I ever get from anyone. Like that's a thing that I definitely did when I was 25. I like, really wanted to like help everybody who emailed me individually. And like, I'm still kind of trying to hold that, but like, yeah, I mean, you're rapidly just, losing it. You're right? a wonderful and kind person. I mean, it's like, you want to help people. That's fair. Yeah. But also yeah, I still like, I feel reach a point. I feel like a pang of guilt. If I like archive an email without uh, like a, a oh, just like to point out that you use email. that term correctly. What? A pang of guilt. A pang of guilt? Yes. Yeah. It's not a pain of guilt. It's a pang of guilt. Yeah. I tried. That's all. I just, <laughs> very few people actually say hunger pangs. Oh, yeah. They say um, hunger pains. Well, I guess it could work. I'm glad I derailed you with that. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. No, I didn't have any momentum at all. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a very, like, I, I try to remind myself that it's a good thing and, like, that that's a sign of growth and that when you're, like, you know, like James Clear is like, Man, dude, really I can't get any, like my inbox is fucked. Like I can't get back to any of you. Like uh, I'll do my best. Right. Like, um, so it's a very, like, it's a sign of growth. Um, and I think if you feel too much like guilt or shame about that, then you like subconsciously hold yourself back from achieving some of those things or like leveling up because you know what it'll cost. Um, but it's a, it is generally a good thing and you can, you just learn to make new, you, you get reoriented, you learn to make different trade-offs. You learn to kind of set new priorities. Um, and you, you generally like those levels come with different resources that you can use different ways to yeah. like help people and, you know, just transform those things, find ways to use more leverage and like yeah. accomplish more for more people in new ways, but it takes relearning it takes reorientation and all that stuff. Yeah. So let's dig into leverage. And then at some point we should probably wrap up. Um, we're coming up on the time, but also fuck the time. Um, so after you figure out your specific set of knowledge or right, did I phrase that correctly? Yeah. Specific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah specific set of knowledge. You go and you leverage said, what does that mean? Cause I think that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And yeah, it's very Archimedean, but also potentially other things. Yeah. I think that there's a, there's definitely like a leap there of like, you, you should not just like start with leverage. You need to start with specific knowledge and, and probably like an accountability as well. You should have some idea of that. What you're doing is already successful or going to be successful before you apply too much leverage. Right. Cause that goes both ways. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're going broke and you apply leverage, you're going to go broke faster. Right. Um, and it's, it's a force multiplier. So it, if you are certain that what you have is a good idea, applying leverage will make it bigger, faster and better. Mm -hmm. And if you have a bad idea, it will make it worse, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, faster and better. So, um, yeah, what's the Munger quote? Like there's, there's three ways to go broke, like liquor, ladies and leverage. Um, <laughs> and he's like, and then Warren uh. was like, you, it's, it's leverage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you love alliteration, but like it's leverage. Um, I miss Charlie Munger so much this year. Not uh, getting yeah. to see that man in person, even from a thousand feet away, is yep. a loss. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's uh, I don't know. The le leverage for, to me is like the most, the biggest idea with the most left to unpack after the book. 
And so I think Naval did us a huge favor by like slapping a label on this phenomenon that like a lot of people have intuited their way towards or are applying. And it's an exp- a way to explain a lot of the crazy kind of extreme outcomes that we're seeing increasingly so. Um, but it's also like there's to explore and there's a lot left to reverse engineer from all these things and like build this playbook and help people understand leverage. Cause I think it's important on the level that like compounding is important, right? Like right. Warren Buffett is Warren Buffett because he understood when he was at like age eight, like the magic of compounding and was like, I'm just going to compound, you know, for my whole life. And he's basically had like two fears to compound faithfully over and over and over and over again. And like, you know, the, like the compounding of financials, things has like determined most of the wealth created in that generation. And mm-hmm. now I think our generation, you know, with, with software and code and media is like increasingly sort of, um, the explanatory factor behind all of this is, is leverage, um, yeah. and the combinations of leverage. And, you know, that's a, it's a scary thing. Um, cause it's new and people who are like used to the old way are like, that's wrong. It's, it's a, like, the outcome is impossible. Like it's a sign that something is wrong. And it's like, is I think that is just a symptom of not understanding like that leverage is what is behind a lot of this. Right. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to unpack those ideas and explore them and break them down. And like, you know, again, like for myself, yeah. understand how the world works. And then hopefully I think there's a, there's ways to kind of like help other people translate, like, here's the, here's the playbook of leverage. Here's how we can, you know, triage your bottleneck or your growth or your whatever, and use some of these frameworks and some of these questions to like help you take this successful thing from one X to 10 X or 10 X to hundred X or, or a million X or whatever. Um, but it does take like knowing your specific knowledge, having an opportunity, applying yourself with, with, you know, accountability on the line. And like, you got to kind of have something going before mm-hmm. you should worry too much about applying leverage to it. So this book is your specific knowledge, right? Like you're, you are your specific knowledge in a lot of ways, but one of the things that I was uh, able to figure out here, able to able to find off of the interwebs, not on the interwebs, is that you have a book club that you're going to be doing soon. And I was able to finagle some of the early questions from that. And one of them is, what is your specific knowledge? And I'm going to add the piece of how do you leverage it? So let's use you as an example. Like, what is your the question I just asked, <laughs> I won't repeat it. Like I normally do. Yeah. I think, um, I think that it is like something around curation of ideas. So like it, it starts with, um, collecting and organizing and like curating and synthesizing ideas. You know, it's what I did with evergreen. Yeah. It's what I did here with this book, you know, reorganizing and distilling and like threading things together and helping people understand them. Um, do you feel like there's a p- other piece of you that is, that has a core competency of like original creativity? Do you not think that's part of your specific knowledge or is I, it like, think, is that part of it? I think that's, I think that's definitely like, I think there's a gradient between like, there's not a clear line between curation and creation, right? Like mm. in, in purely pure originality. Right. So like, when you look at anyone's creative process, like tell me what you think the most original work ever created is. Yeah. And then we'll be able to dissect the curation process yeah. that inspired that work. Yeah. Right. And you're so, probably going thousands and millions of years back. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything is like a brick on a brick on a brick on a brick. Right. And, you, and you look at like, yeah. um, you hear that new Oprah's bank account song. 
I, forgot, I think it was like a little baby or something, but it's Oprah's. It's literally just a song about Oprah's bank account. And I was like, you Dave Chappelle bit stealer. <laughs> I was like, you just took the, the, I got, I got Oprah pregnant bit and you turned it into a song. And this yeah. is, it's, it's all, it's yeah. Anyways, that's my version of, yeah. I mean, we, we're, you know, we're all finding inspiration kind of all the way down. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- this, uh, in the one hand, like this is the most, like there's not an original word in this book after the author's note. So on the one hand, like this is much, much more curation and synthesis than it is original creation. On the other hand, like there's a lot of, lot of work and the way I did this would have been very different than if anyone else on the planet would have tried to do, would have tried to like build a book out of Naval's work, right? Like you would have ended up with very different things. And there's people who've been like, Oh shit. I was like, I was going to write a book about Naval and I'm like, rock on, right? Like how many books are there about Warren Buffett or, you know, Carnegie or whatever, like yep. the author's lens and their experiences and their perspective and their priorities are going to completely change. Like what that book ends up being like, you could even take most of the same creative constraints that I use and end up with a completely unique and valuable contribution, which is awesome. Um, so I think like, you know, I'm, I'm early enough in my career that like I have more confidence in my ability to curate and synthesize and do something helpful with bigger pre-existing blocks than I do like my original creation as a 20 year old, which is different in like the business and idea world um, than it is in like you know maybe if I was writing like fantasy fiction or something yeah. like that or like doing yeah I mean there's. Speaking of Dave Chappelle, there's only one Dave Chappelle or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very few people can get on the Tonight Show at 19 or whatever. Yeah. Crush it and be that guy. And he started doing clothes when he was like 11 or 12 or something, right? Like, yeah. um, Yeah, I think in his (laughs) Tiffany Haddish, I think made the joke that like (laughs) Dave is 44 and he's been doing for 43 years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, which I think like, I don't know there's a lot of those that seem like prodigal talents and it's just like they actually started putting in reps when they were like shockingly young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean the, 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 the picture of Jerry Seinfeld's notes splayed out on that street, right? Like that, mm-hmm. just the vision of how much volume it takes to come out with one nugget. Yeah. Schwarzenegger started lifting meaningfully when he was 13 or 14. Right. And he right. says like, it takes 10 years to build a world-class bodybuilding body. And so when he broke out of the scene at 23, 24, it was like shocking, but it was because he came out of Eastern Europe. He was like driving around lifting in the right. Austrian army since he was 14. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so that's a, people can get early starts, um, but that doesn't make them an overnight success. Right. right. Like, um, so anyway, yeah, I think there's like a gradient between curation and, and original creation. And, you know, this is far more on the curation side. I think, yeah. I, you know, could turn the dial more towards original cur- creation and kind of expect to more later in life. And, um, that's, like, a, that's a good self-aware perspective about it. Yeah. I, it's like Brent, sense. Brent B. Shore said, like, he's like, I don't like anybody who writes a book before they're 50 years old or something like that. Like, <laughs> That's a good. I mean, as he was writing yeah. a book when he was 35, but he's right. like, that was his caveat. He's like, I know my specific knowledge with the knowledge that like, yeah, this is flawed. I'm still learning very quickly and like all of these things. Um, so I think like, you know, I have, I have specific knowledge around that. I also love, um, you know, it's a slight impediment at the moment. I love bringing people together and connecting with people and like having, um, you know, one-on-one or small group conversations, I find like deeply rewarding and learn a ton from it. And, um, so I think there's, there's like a talent around that. You have not Um, been able to flex that muscle very much this year. No, no, but, uh, but I'm, I'm charging up. We'll, we'll We'll get doing more of it. Yeah. We'll get back there. So how do you apply leverage to this is the, the next piece of that. 
I mean, so this book, um, if I were to like show the leverage behind this book, yeah. right. Um, it started by leveraging like the work that a bunch of creators had already done to like bring Naval's work out. Like there's great interviews from Sarah Lacey, Shane Parrish, Joe Rogan, and like a lot of raw material that already existed from what was out there. So like, that's kind of the first piece. Um, and then I used, I mean, plenty of tools at Google doc and Otter and like there's tool leverage in there. And then for people leverage, I had friends and peer readers and reviewers that I was like, you know, here's a manuscript, here's a manuscript, here's a manuscript. Um, they gave me you know wonderful feedback and really like, I'm lucky enough to have some friends who have published books and yeah. were like, here's the process. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a lot of sanding and a lot of, um, help in editing and things like that came mm. from, from friends and connections and people who just DM me or like, Hey, I want to like, let me help, uh, which is great. And, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of my savings to, um, a professional copy editor. So like there's talent there that like I would not have had. Um, and then on the publishing process, like I also paid up for scribe, um, which is how scary was it to spend all of that money. I mean, I remember was, pieces of the conversation, but yeah, it was, it was scary. It was a big, I mean, it was one of the biggest, you know, single checks I've ever written in my life. Right. Um, I, I was also like at the end of three years of work and staring at a lot of, um, like you can self publish, you can general contract your own thing. But I was yeah. like, I know, um, there's a there, there, th I know there's a there, there. I know, I, I honestly didn't know if it would like the in investment would return but I knew that I would monetarily monetarily. Yeah. yeah. I knew I would rather have like a high polish professional thing, especially with like, you know, Naval's name on it and Tim's name on it. And, um, you know, so much work had gone into this. Like I'd rather lose money on something that I'm like yeah. proud of and is a super high polish and is like an excellent representation of like how much I care about these ideas and how much work I put into this. than like work my ass off on this thing to make beautiful words and have like, you know, the wrapping paper be, you know, shitty cartoons yeah. instead of like, you know, a beautiful bow. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it, it became an easy, an easy, hard decision, I guess, like a hard decision. And it was an easy decision that was hard to act on. Yeah. Pressing um, that button, pressing the button wasn't easy, right. but like the decision was obvious. Uh, so, and, and I'm, I'm zero regrets. I mean, having that team, especially publishing it in this, during this year that like has been so tumultuous and having somebody who's like a true professional a team of professionals that's like driving this thing. And like, you know, they're like, this is the date do X, Y, and Z. Like, yes, sir. Got it. Right. Like, I, I yeah. get you. Um, like manage me through the back half of the process and know exactly what needed to happen and just make sure I didn't make any expensive mistakes or missteps yeah. or anything like that was so worth it. So worth it. I'll do it again in a heartbeat. I'll work with them again. Um, shout out to scribe. Shout out to, yeah, shout out to scribe. And, and that just happened through Twitter, right? I right. was just like tweeted that I had a done manuscript and Tucker Max was like, yo, we would love to help you publish this. That's like, so wild. Yeah. Um, tell the story of how you got Tim to, I just called him Tim. Like I know him. How did you get Tim Ferris to write the, I, honestly like the that forward. had almost nothing to do with me and everything to do with them all. Like I just, I, um, I think like, the th the only thing to learn from that is like I had huge proof of work that I've been working on this for three years and yeah. I've shown Naval like how much work I'd put into it and yeah. um, that we were going to make it available for free. And then, you know, the, the only the only like thing that I ever asked of Naval was like, hey, do you mind like just asking and like a very polite email with no expectations right. and and he was like, I'll ask. 
um, but no promises. I was like, hundred percent understand. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, what was your, what was your expectation? Did you, I know you, you are the type of person that would never put any sort of expectation into an email, but did you, I really did not expect him yeah. to say yes. I just knew like, I didn't either. I knew like wing in a prayer <laughs> that like, that would be, that would be the best possible outcome. Yeah. And it took a little bit of like, Eric, don't be like, yeah. go for the best possible outcome. Like yeah. at least shoot your shot. Right. Um, so, yeah, and, and yeah, got, got lucky on that. Kobe agent right next to me. Yeah. Shooters you got to shoot. Exactly. Miss a hundred percent is the shots you don't take. Now we're mixing and now we're mixing Gretzky with Kobe with, uh, with Michael Jordan. But yeah, the amount, I mean, when you explained all that to me and I remember the moment that you found out that Tim Surferis was going to write the forward. I think it was just like the, like, I mean, you're yeah. not a great dancer, but you danced. Yeah. I mean, know? that was the closest I've come to like, I don't know, like a Hollywood, like, Shawshank moment of like just you know screaming at the sky um that felt like a huge huge win just because this thing that was like a garage project for so long yeah. suddenly was like legitimized by this person I've been like reading and admiring yeah. since I was 18 and learned so much from and um yeah I just felt and, and I mean the fact that Naval appreciated it enough to believe that it was worth asking and that Tim you know yeah snuck around and like i don't I'm, I'm sure somebody had to vouch for me somewhere along the line sure. some back I mean, channel because yeah. like tucker max and all of that is like pretty wild yeah. i which, mean which i think goes to show like the proof of the like twitter and ever as like just proof of work just like yeah. show that you're putting your like it's like social leverage or something i don't know I mean, the right term but accountability it's accountability um accountability is the right term for that i mean i think like i think the fact that I've been like creating a public track record under my own name yeah. and publishing and like doing, you know, high effort non shitty work that is observable by other people. Like yeah. makes it like I, if I was a, you know, an egg account with anonymously with a hundred people, like, I don't know that that would be, yeah, it'd be a different conversation. It'd be, yeah, it'd yeah. be harder to take that leap confidently. Right. right. Like then it's like, okay, this person has like done work and thoughtful work and yeah, um, all right, I'll get a fan accountability. I don't, I don't love the term, but I, it's, I know it's in the book and I agree. What, yeah. what are the things in the book that you, so like, there's so much goodness, like, and you said you had questions coming out the other end. Like, are there things you disagree with? Are there any, that's actually a question from somebody at bond that read the book was like, is it, cause I love the book, but like, there are a couple of things that I was like, man, he's really intense about this thing. Like, does Eric agree with that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good question that I, it should have a better answer to. Um, there are things that I disagree with to do de to degrees, you know, like, um, or just, I, I mean, there's nuance to all of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, the all welcomes disagreement. Right. Um, that's why, I mean, yeah, if this, I would not have asked this question if we were writing this about, you know, <laughs> yeah, past, our more recent president or something, somebody that does not appreciate the, you know, other side of the coin as much. Yeah. I mean, like, there are things I don't, I don't live my life by every word in this book. Right. Um, but I also don't disagree that Naval believes that, right? Like I had to remind myself a few times, like, as I was writing is like, I'm not, I'm not editing. I am a zero editorializing autobiographer, right? Like my role here is to just present Naval's ideas the best yeah. I can. I'm not here to qualify them. I'm not here to explain them. I'm not here to editorialize or agree or disagree. I'm just here to like get myself out of the way and help 
people reach these ideas in like as clear of a path as they can and as well organized and articulated as I possibly can. And like they can agree or disagree on their own. Like my opinion is not why anyone in the world is buying this book or, or reading it. Right. Um, so like my, my role is the museum curator, not the artist. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I think like, what else would you want in your biographer, but to be like a non editorializing, like biographer who just like gets out of the way and helps your ideas shine and reach more people. Um, so I think that's a, I don't know. I, I hope that that's a thing that, um, he appreciates. I hope that's a thing that like I can do for more people. Um, so that, that's one of the other interesting parts. And I don't know if I'm supposed to, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you this actually, but I'm going to ask it to you and you can tell me to edit there out later. No if, rules, no rules. There there's rules. There's things that I specifically <laughs> haven't asked. Um, one of those other Shawshank moments you had, that you shared with, I don't think anyone else actually, except for me was the DM that you got from Naval after the book got published. And I remember, I don't remember everything that it said. I mean, it was quick. It was, it's Naval. So everything's like two to three sentences and has yep. a book worth of knowledge in two to three sentences. And it's like, wow, how'd you do that? But I think he said something along the lines of, I hope that you do not end up being the like autobiographer of the world or something, you know, it's, yeah. it was something along the lines of, I hope you do more than telling the stories of others. What, where does that take? Like, I know th this was the leverage of the time that you spent on this book was so worthwhile and is clearly a good thing for the world. What's next? Like, where does, what did that message from Naval where did that take you mentally? Yeah, I mean, that was a helpful, it was a helpful thing to hear, especially, and it was a, quickly enough after the book that like, it wasn't even clear that the book was going to be successful necessarily. Um, no, it was, it was, a very, it was like day, the day that it published, right? Or yeah, something, I, day after. I don't it remember. was all a blur. I don't know. Yeah, was, and then we was, was champagne shower. It was more like, um, I don't know. It, like it was, it was less about like the quality of the book and more, I think like, um, just like if you can do this, you can do you can do other things, and um, I don't know. It was a good like I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not super short on like self confidence or self belief, yeah, but it was a you good, got some chutzpah. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a good um, vote of confidence from somebody who whose judgment I you know deeply respect and who does not sling bullshit in any way, right? Like yeah. Um, so it's a it is a good like. And it's a good re reminder, right? Like I, you know, um, on the other hand, like I did not, I got a lot out of doing this, right? Like I did this project to change myself and my perspectives and to like deeply embed these lessons into yeah. like build my little, like Naval, this is on my shoulder and yeah. like, um, my, you know, my mental model that I can like reference anytime. And, yeah. Um, seems like this year would have been a lot easier and a lot harder without this book. Yeah. Which is not helpful at all, but um, I mean, it's just it, been this thing that you've worked so hard on, but also I've witnessed you every time you open it or every time that you're getting back to a thing that you're like, like I've literally been sitting next to you and you've said, aha, you know, <laughs> like you've had those moments yeah. and it seems like the, the obstacle is the way or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a very like, um, th this flower like bloomed this year in amidst of like, not everything was blooming yeah, for me. Needed some fertilizer. Um, and then when it was like, uh, definitely added a lot of complexity, but it was like, it was wonderful to have like, 
you know, a, something you were really proud of and something that was like not an obligation and something that was like fun and the, the kind of like culmination of many years of hard work in the yeah. middle of like other things that were really hard. And, yeah. And uh, truly yours. Right. I mean, that was, I mean, as much as it's Naval's words and everything, like, yeah, you had true creative control, which was really cool to watch you like yeah. blossom through that too. Yeah. So it is, uh, for me reward like with my personality type whatever it is very rewarding to have a thing that is just mine yeah um and exactly like as much as it's all credit to naval for all of the ideas like the project construction like i got to make all my own decisions on basically and like be self-directed and like work at my own pace and um you know i i find that rewarding and it's helpful for me to have that like as a creative outlet right yeah so the the final one actually, well, final. And then I'm, I want to give you a chance to do a little Eric slash Navalmanac commercial if you want. Um, I'm stealing it from Tim Ferriss. Oh, <laughs> you probably already know what it is. If you had a billboard that was uh, just on a highway and you could put something on said billboard. I feel like we've talked about the man enough that I should end on this question. And you've spent three years distilling down all of this knowledge. So I just want to put you on the fucking spot. <laughs> what would you, what would you put there? Um, for how many Tim Ferriss podcasts I've listened to, I should really have like an on point answer for this. Um, it's, it's almost it, like the, like if Patrick O'Shaughnessy asked me like, you know, the what's kindest the kindest thing, thing anybody's ever course, done for you? I'm like, I don't know. My of mom, course you blank on that question. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parents for sure. Right. 100%. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be like a very distillation of the like, um, I mean, you got to get it down to like three or four words for a billboard. I think, um, if I could see one for me every day, it would be impatience with action, patience with results. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for like the New York times billboard, um, it'd probably be something like happiness comes from peace. Peace comes from acceptance. Um, just like yeah. that little couplet or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it, there's so much in each of those words that it's hard to, under, to know, like wh- how much each person is going to be able to unpack from that. Um, but so that's okay. Just, right. I mean, that's almost yeah. like you almost get like a little bit biblical with that, where it's like, it's a parable that will be interpreted the way that somebody in, yeah. interprets it based on the life they've led and everything you else. Want, I think like what, what Naval is really good at is giving you these like things that are so pithy that are easy to remember phrases that then you hang your own experiences on. And like for you, that little mm-hmm. statement is connected with, you know, 10 different highly potent memories of you learning that lesson. But like when you remember those four words, you can unpack all of that again and gain conviction that that is that you're on the right path. Um, and so those are like, you know, they, you don't have to remember Naval's examples. You just have to remember like the lesson and tie it to your own experiences and, and outcomes and like uh, make it your own. Right. Yeah. I love you, man. That's a, I've, it's been so fun to watch you go through this process, you know, from like updating me on how many likes that tweet had from the first test, you know, as we were like squatting or something all the way through the book publishing all the way through some of the, you know, tough parts when the next 48 hours there and some other things that like, it was just, you know, it's been a bumpy ride and I'm, 
proud to call you my friend and I'm happy you, I'm happy you've done this, man. I'm just, it's a gift to the world and I appreciate it because I've learned a lot even just going through and reading, but only, you know, pieces of it resonate, pieces of it don't. And like, what, what doesn't resonate? What, what are the things that you disagree with about it that you're like, wow, you're going to pull me back in right as I'm trying to, yeah. Okay. I see what you're trying to, you're trying to dismount. No. Yeah. What are the things I disagree with? I think, I don't think that there's a specific thing that comes to mind that I'm like, fuck that, you know? But I think what you said about the prescriptive nature of it, right? Like when I listen to, it's less about like, even what I've read in the book, it's more about like some of the stuff that I've listened to Naval say on like Tim Ferriss's podcast, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that we're, it, it, it comes back to us all doing the best that we can with the knowledge and the awareness we have. But there's moments where I listen to Vault Talk where I'm just like, fuck, you're perfect. And you expect a lot of people to be perfect or you expect a lot of people to like live with the level of awareness you have. Oh, I don't think he expects I, that. Yeah. I don't think he does either. But the way that it's phrased sometimes is like this is the way to happiness. And that's like mm. one plus one equals two. Go do the math, motherfucker. You know, yeah. and it's like I know it's not meant that way. But if there was like. I would, didn't expect you to ask me this now. So, you know, it's, you're switching the flipping the switch, switching the flip. But that, that would probably be the biggest thing for me is just like everybody's got their own way through these things. Yeah. And but these are like mental models that you need to take in, think through and understand if they fit on you or how they fit on you. Not if. Right. And I think like um, I think there's versions of that that people challenge that are like it's it's too prescriptive, not prescriptive. It's just too tough of a prescription it's too extreme it's too um which i think is fair right and like you like my response to that is is kind of like you know charlie munger does the same iron prescriptions he's like i'm not i'm not going to tell you i'm going to set the bar so high that like you might not be able to clear it but i want you to know where that bar is yeah you know um and and that's okay right like if the bar if, if this is what perfection looks like and then we say that no one is perfect, right? Like no one is perfectly peaceful and calm and happy at all times. Maybe not even 10% of the time, mm-hmm. but this is where the bar is and this is how you get there, right? Um, this is like what you what you shoot for. We may be better off. And if, if you can accept a high standard and you can accept that there is a permanent gap that we are all dealing with all the time, that is a helpful thing. And so it is not like you won't be happy. It's not like you yeah. can't get there. Um, the, the quote that it brings, like that comes to me from that is like the enemy of the enemy of peace of mind is expectations drilled into you by society and other people. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of the irony of it. Right. Is like, I know that that is what Naval is actually telling me is like, go live your own life. Like right. here are some frameworks, like take them, apply them to, you know, your life. Yep. But at the same time, I have this thing where like, I, and I'm sure you've <laughs> had it in fucking spades where you respect the shit out of Noval and you're like, God, I kind of want to be him or like pieces of him. I kind of want to be, but like, I'm me. Like, that's an interesting, like, I don't actually, um, I don't want to be Naval, you know, like I don't aspire to walk that path. And, and I don't like, um, in the same way, I don't aspire to be Charlie Munger either, but like, I yeah. love what I've learned from him and I love yeah. what I've learned from Naval. That's a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Both of them would want you to be your own person and like apply your own talents. Both of they, them would vomit if they thought else wanted to be them. Yeah. They're like, yeah. You're, Charlie you're Munger dumb, would right? just like, like call you a fucking idiot. This is a mistake I made when I was in my early times. I was like with Bo actually, like the person that I most want to be yeah. like is yeah. Bo. You know, he's got, I can't tell the difference between the two of you on the phone. It's so weird. <laughs> 
No, I'm serious. Like you guys have spent so much time together that like even yeah. your voice patterns, like, I mean, but you're very different people in I, a lot of ways. I told him that once and he was like, you, you, if you're trying to be me, you've already failed. If you're trying to be anybody, you've already failed. Like, yeah, you, you just can't, you, you can't do that. Um, you can learn small lessons. You can study. You can look a lot of people's different careers and see the paths they took. You can see how the roads of, of life interconnect and how you might be able to patch them together in your own unique way. But like, you can't ever try to emulate someone else entirely. Um, and I think that that's like the earlier you learn that, the better, yeah. right? The, the earlier you can embrace that, like you don't have to follow a playbook, you know, the investors who are trying to be Buffett, the actors who are trying yeah. to be, you know, like yeah. Hugh Grant, whatever, like you just can't follow any particular path. Like yeah. th that time is already gone. Yeah. You don't have those talents. You don't have those people. You don't have that perspective. Right. Like just give up on them sooner or later. But the other side of that though, is that like, so you have Naval on one shoulder, right? Like you've worked yeah. very hard to have Naval on one shoulder and like, you don't only have to have two shoulders for this question, but like who else is on I, your shoulder? I think shoulder? of it like Hogwarts portraits, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So like we, I know, I mean, I kind of said it in the preamble, but like, I know your dad, your mom, like these are, mm -hmm. Um, people that you want to emulate to a certain degree or to a an extreme degree in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Charlie Munger. I mean, Warren Buffett's just like, I mean, who doesn't want to have certain portions of Warren Buffett in them? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm getting like farther and farther from Buffett the older I get. Like, I'm hmm. just not that interested in like studying S1s my whole life. And yeah, like, well, no, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. But he's got similar like. I don't think he's got like a, a wonderful family light. Like, no, that's I, true. I, that's why I, I him and like Charlie Munger are so, so different. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Munger's a Renaissance man. He's got yeah. like, he's, you know, chilling with architects and working yeah. in real estate and investing and a yeah. lawyer and a, you know, um, it's just like an interesting dude. He's kind of like, you know, widely read and got opinions on everything and right. like fluent in a ton of different stuff. Wonderful opinions that um, we generally don't want to hear, but we love. Yes. Um, it just seems like a more exciting life like i would rather do different things in different chapters of my life than yeah. you know do what buffett was which is like optimize and optimize and optimize, and optimize yeah. for one thing like that's just not yeah. how i'm wired um yeah well some people i mean speaking of i think we talked about i don't know if we were recording when we talked about ryan earlier but yeah i yeah. mean ryan o'connor is a good example of you know crossroads capital and like i have full faith that he will do that the rest of his life and will not have any you know any moment where he's like, is this the thing I should be doing? Right. Like he knows what he should be doing. He's going to do that one thing. And you and I would both go absolutely insane. I think meeting him was like the, the moment that I realized, like I will never be a like successful, like retail half ass like stock picker. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 I was yeah. like, holy shit, this Got is what I'm phone, up against. Deleted Robin hood, bought the S and P 500. <laughs> I'm up against, yeah. I'm up against like weaponized autism in the form of Ryan O'Connor. He just yeah. obsessively like, puts his phone in a cabinet and like reads for weeks until he like has developed like such obnoxiously deep fluency in all of the factors possibly affecting like a particular company that he takes a position in. It's incredible. Yeah. And Absolutely simultaneously incredible. you bring him groceries to make sure he lives. Yeah. And like, like, we, we, yeah we've seen the, like, it's, a, it's a team effort to make sure that he's, you know, yeah, everything's like, going well, but we know that the returns are quality. Yeah. You sure, know? Like Sherlock Holmes, you know, yeah. like a level wow, of I've never like, thought about that. Yeah. Not an exaggeration. Um, wow. That's incredibly accurate. So I thought I, um, we, we got to this place where when you were answering the, the kind of disagree question, mm -hmm. um, I think the, the thing that I most, I, I both want to ask him all. And the thing that I maybe disagree with him on, um, is like, he's got a very 
philosophical, like individual man on mountain kind of happiness pursuit. And I think that mm-hmm. is both like, I understand where it comes from. I think it's maybe 80% of it is like getting rid of the external circumstances that affect your happiness and recognizing that like, you know, when you pass a nice car and you want that car that affects your happiness and like those, that is all correct. And that's probably 80% of Yeah. It. We didn't even get into desire and envy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is like great. I mean, that's well, well covered. Um, <laughs> but we're, uh, the, the thing that like that conflicts or at least does not acknowledge this other kind of like whole body of work about happiness, which is the, like, um, in the Harvard study on happiness and the whole kind of like world of Adlerian psychology. So the like, you know, courage to be disliked and these things where happiness comes from a sense of contribution to your community Mm -hmm. and a contribution and, and like the, uh, quality of your, the few closest relationships that you have. It, that's like the result of the harvest. So like the single biggest factor that affects the happiness of a man's life is his relationship with his mother, mm. for instance. Um, and I don't think it's like as clear of a correlation for women, um, but it, like that may be husband, it may be children, it may be, you know, one of their parents or whatever. It's um, relationship though. It, it's it not a, it's, it's not like, a, yeah, yeah person in like the woods. Over, over 75 years. Like we, we are just such social animals that like, yeah. um, and, and I think if you, you know, Naval says like happiness is a single player game, like you can optimize for your own happiness. And that doesn't mean you cause harm to other people. It doesn't mean you, but it doesn't mean you don't. Um, you know, creating close relationships is a sense of like taking on other people's caring and like caring about the things that they care about. And so like you, you have to kind of get in sync on those things and choose to like, um, I don't know, there's something unresolved between the two of those, I should Mm -hmm. say, like there's definitely a body of work that indicates that relationships and close relationships and community are incredibly important inputs to happiness. And there is a body of work that is very like philosophically driven, high bar, you know, happiness is internal. And I think both of those things can be true. That's what I was going to say. It's like Like, the the obnoxious point of this whole fucking thing when we get out of bed and go back to bed. I mean, it's all like holding two counter truths together and apart at the same time. All all of life is, is, you know, you have to want to do something in order to accomplish it. And, but you have to not want it in order to be happy while you're doing it. Right. Right. Like you have to love yourself and want to change yourself at the same time, like in order to kind of grow and be happy with who you are. Like it's just like these conflicts and these paradoxes, like throughout everything in life and desperately needing like a black and white, being able to sit with that ambiguity and understand those trade-offs and so like get through the day and make the progress that you want to make is like, you know, a fundamental challenge. And like, you want to, you can't underthink it, but you can also definitely overthink it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, so yeah, you know, we're, we're not here to answer the questions. We're just here to bullshit about them. <laughs> yeah. And to figure out what the questions should fucking be. I mean, that was one of the things doing, you know, you've done a lot of podcast interviews and I haven't listened to a number of them for a reason because I wanted this one to hopefully be a little bit different. And I hope it has been. But reading the book, you kind of have this sense of like. Are interviews necessary? Was one of the questions I had, because this is it's it's so just about the interpretation of the individual it's like trying to go and interview paul 
from the Bible or something. I don't know. Paul did a verse in the Bible, didn't he? It wasn't. Isn't there a Paul prophet? I don't know. One of the one of the people who did the Bible writing, it's like interviewing them or something. Right. And it's like you're not actually interviewing Jesus. You're interviewing the guy that wrote about the guy kind of a thing. And that's why I've wanted to talk so much about you. And it takes me back to like, I mean, people read the fucking book. You will get a lot out of it, but also like separating yourself from your heroes and knowing that that they're your hero for a reason, but you can take it a step further. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think of it like a, or a step in a different direction. I like it's it qualitative. Like a, I don't mean it to be qualitative. No, no. I think it's like a, is a teacher, right? Like we've all yeah. had like many, many teachers, a high leverage professor, maybe the highest yeah. leverage professor. Yeah. Like in, you know, we're now luckily in a world where we can like choose our own teachers, right? Yeah. Like think of Twitter, like, um, or, you know, whatever your thing is, like wh- wherever you're picking and creating your own feed, like you're mm-hmm. taking classes and you're choosing teachers and, you know, whatever inputs you choose are going to determine who you are, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, the Kardashians or yeah. Naval or yeah. Munger or whatever. I mean, even um, just how Naval has like shifted the way. I mean, this is extreme deep dive nerdiness, but like the way that he shifted the way he uses Twitter. Right. Like mm-hmm. everybody's like, what an asshole. He doesn't follow anyone. And I'm like, yeah, he has a mental state where like he wants to go from this list to this list to this list. And I can understand that. Yeah. You know, like I can understand not wanting to, especially in the past four years, like not read certain things at certain times when depending on your mental state and read certain things at others. And like, yeah. And that, you know, it is a single player game, especially in that way. Yeah. I mean, you learn to like curate your own channels and like pick those things. And, um, you know, you just become more of whoever you're paying attention to. Like your, your focus determines your reality, I think in a lot of ways. And, um, so, you know, being selective about those things and, um, and then picking, um, like it is okay. You don't have to agree with everything that someone says in order to learn something from them. Right. Like there are many, I don't want to be anyone else, but yeah. everyone has something to teach. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and so, you know, you can learn great things even from people that are you know wildly out of favor or even done like, you know, even canceled people. Like there's things to learn from everybody. Um, and I mean, I'll fucking say it. There's, there's from. shit to learn from Trump. Right. Like there's yeah. a lot of people in the world that would be very angry about that sentiment, but there's stuff to learn. Yeah. Good and bad and plenty yeah. of bad, but like yeah. plenty to which, learn, which goes back to like our sense that like everyone is acting rationally and, and reasonably from their own perspectives. Right. Like you can't just dismiss the worldview of millions of people. Yeah. Um, without trying to understand it. You know, this is like, this is an idea from Ender's game, right? Like mm-hmm. he, understood his enemy so deeply that he loved them. And the moment that he, the moment he understood him well enough to defeat them, he loved them so much that he didn't want to. Mm. He still did. Um, yeah. But it, it was like, I don't know. It was just, it was just such an interesting um, kind of piece of that conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think like, I got this idea that I've kind of expanded from, from maybe that kernel that I didn't realize is like the more people you love, the more of the world you understand. Right. Mm. So like, if you, if you really love people like with very different worldviews from you, you know, if you, if you have a big family that ended up a lot of different places and has yeah. a lot of different experiences and you love those people enough to, yeah. I mean, embrace you and them I for who they are in their worldviews. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it, you all of a sudden, if you love them well enough to see the world through their eyes yeah. and understand what they're trying to get out of the world and what they believe of it, then 
you kind of, um, you know, you lose that sense that like only your judgment is the, the only judgment that exists. And th- like, there's some amazing German word for the, the moment of realizing that like every person is as deep and nuanced and like hmm. observing the world and creating their own reality in the same way that you are. And it's like almost impossible to go through life in that way. But I remember sitting, you know, in, in New York and seeing thousands of people walking on the sidewalk being like, that is a trippy moment. Um, to try to like see all of those internal worlds all at the same time and like let all of those people have an equally important perspective to you. And it's hard to go through your life maintaining that like concept, but it really helps you accept all of the things that if you're stuck in your own perspective and judgment, Mm -hmm. like you think are wrong instead of just being like, holy shit, like this is a cool, crazy world. Like we're all interesting, like deep, wildly different nuanced things. And we're like coming and going all the time. And, um, there's just like so many miracles that we're surrounded by constantly. Yeah. If you take a step, actually think about it all and don't kind of live so deep in your own shit all of the time. And, yeah, which which like takes love. it takes space and time and um, an effort to like think about that and and it's easy to lose it when you're focused on you know ch- accomplishing the thing in front of you or changing the thing and like yeah. you know I mean you can't nobody is sitting under a tree like thinking that thought all day every day like yeah. um, but <laughs> yeah. being able to slip in and out of it in moments and like remind yourself yeah. is is a source of deep calm and relaxation yeah. for me like it's also know, it's a, i think a privilege for it's it's something that you and i have that uh, and i think probably you know anybody listening to for fintech sake or spending time thinking about you know yeah we're all lucky to have this, yeah, yeah to have this conversation yeah, like i remember the food in the water and yeah, the roof and yeah. you know um to to the privilege to take stock and yeah. step back self-actualization. Uh, like one of my favorite Chappelle bits is, uh, I think he was doing some bit about the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, the Q, you know, the, the alphabet people as he calls them. And he was, he said something about how he got a note from somebody that said that they, he had offended them. And he basically said like, and then I did something that very few black men in this society have time to do. I sat and I thought about how I felt. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. just like, yeah, there is like, there's a sense of we're very lucky to be able to have this conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And be lucky to have one of my favorite Ben Millen expressions is be lucky to have an opinion or like, I feel like, like I asked him about cryptocurrency one time or something. And he was like, I feel lucky to actually have this opinion. And I was like, wow, I don't care about anything you say after that. That was, that was a bar. Like yeah. we are lucky to think about this shit for three years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I hope that that, um, I hope that that luck is passed on. Right. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's that what that, I that's why I call it a gift is like, yeah, it's made, it's, you know, sometimes we pay for gifts and you should buy the book, but, yeah, but you know, the book is available. For the book is totally available for free online, yeah. but you yeah. should buy the book. Um, <laughs> if you can, <laughs> you know, if you can, if you're in a spot, but at the same time, it is something I was talking to, uh, this is, I mean, a scary thought in and of itself, but I was talking to a college class last week and, you know, they were asking for my advice on life. And I was like, well, first not to ask for my advice on life, but if you couldn't I, tell this from the state of my grooming, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily this is why this is a podcast. Not, a, um, but yes, I was on video for that. And the disgusting part about life is that I have zoom backgrounds that hide a lot of my, this situation under my chin, oh. but Google meet don't do that. Oh, you know, yeah. these are the no. issues. Anyway. I assume this is you're an undefeated Dothraki champion and you're just growing everything out until I mean, you know. I'm, you know, I'm I'm going hard for as much Dothraki as I can over mm-hmm. here. You know, I want to be uh, 
Jason Momoa as much as I can in my life. Oh, That's really yeah. all I'm shooting for. Yeah, don't we all? Um, now what, I'm thinking about a, Jason Momoa. I forgot where I was going. Yeah. Like pink suit and bare feet on the red carpet. I also a guy. rock climber. Oh, really? Yeah. He's sponsored or he is sponsored by a company called Soil, which is the reason Whoa. I bought a pair of shoes from Soil. I mean, I get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he might be the world's only like 6'6", 240 rock a climber. Lot of, a lot of mass moving yeah. up a wall. Yeah. yeah. It's weird to watch, actually. Because it's like he's he's hyper athletic and super strong. Yeah. But he's it's just he's thick. He's yeah. You know, so, a few C's. Yeah. That's yeah. probably yeah, twice the weight that most people on that wall. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? You came rock climbing with me one time and you were like, well, hey, it's a Clydesdale climbing a wall. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> I was like in mid hell. Anyways. Yeah. Well, it's not a lot of people, you know, squatting 400 and climbing. What are you climbing on? V fives? Uh, d- d- depends on not while I'm squatting 400. I mean, I was two four. I was 235 then. Yeah. You know, I was a thicker and speaking of thick, I was. I had four C's. <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> you were, yeah, they were, they were, you were, you were ripping pants. Yeah, I was, painfully, literally. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, brother. Um, shout out time. Who like you got a book club coming up? Anything you want to plug? Where can people find the, the man that is Eric, the, the things about the book? Yeah. What can the world do? Oh, that's, I've, <laughs> I was speaking to a class last week and I told them to get the free version online. That oh. was the end of that story. Then we got to going on Jason Momoa. Now back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I spent too much time on Twitter. So, um, if you want to, want to catch me, that's, that's probably where I'm hanging out. Um, you know, he literally tweeted on your way over this morning. I was like, this man lives his life on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first days of Justin TV when it was just a GoPro on on Justin Khan yeah. following him around like yeah. that's Eric's Twitter. Yeah. And it's worth a follow, y'all. Yeah, I have fun with it. Um, yeah, so the Twitter and um, all of the book stuff is on thevalmanac.com. So you can download the PDF and the Mobi and the EPUB. There's links to Amazon if you want the physical version. Um, but you can read the whole thing for free on the website or skip around. And um, yeah, yeah, we're starting to put together. Um, there's a cool like community forming around the around the book, and um, I called in the help of of Jesse, who's like such an expert kind of uh, event organizer. She's like accidentally kind of built yeah. this incredible specific knowledge around like bringing people together in great events and um weirdly so, virtually too like virtually this, yeah. too yeah so we're, we're doing a like um we just kept the first one limited i don't like if we get great feedback we'll we'll do some more but it's just kind of an experiment right now and yeah. um it, you know I, I would love to kind of build a group to go through the recommended reading at the end of the book i think like there's a lot to learn from that and some of those books will really benefit from you know kind of a group bringing coming together and talking about them and stuff yeah. like that um yeah. And I'm, I'm working on, um, I tweet about leverage like a slightly obnoxious amount because I'm yeah. really trying to unpack this idea and kind of keep exploring that. So um, I may do a course or something to like, if once I've kind of got confidence that um, we've got something useful there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm always, always tinkering with something. Yeah. You're appreciated, my friend. Thank you, you for too. doing this. This has you. been fun. And this, it was so fun just watching you do all of this. You know, and I mean, you do. You were broadcast at the same time too. Like, I, I mean, you're the one. Next to you were both edit. You were editing audio, and I was editing yeah. video, and we were both just like slamming our heads against the desk because editing is hard work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, between you, you and Brian Unruh are the two reasons that I started this podcast. It That's, was Brian Unruh gave me permission, and also <laughs> like I think uh, you know took off the 
took off the training wheels. It was just kind of like, Hey, go do something. Yeah. Kid. You I'm, know? So, I'm so glad you do that. I love this podcast and it's been, um, I mean, super fun to sit down with, a like somebody that I've got such a history with and yeah. like, you know, it's been fun as shit for me. And I think it, I hope it has been for you too. And I hope somebody else that listens to it gets something out of it too. <laughs> They're going to be like, what is you stay out of the fucking this rabbit dude took a you- left turn. <laughs> like our last podcast was about AWS and FinTech and like, you know, yeah. distributed services in the cloud. And now we're, he, he didn't even say FinTech once. Yep. That's how, you know, FinTech's eating the world is we're talking about it without talking about it. Mm. And that's how I check the box on this episode. I heard that it's not fintech no. anymore. It's tech fin. Is this true? Who'd you hear that from? That sounds I don't like know, a Twitter. bold lie. Somebody on Twitter. No, I mean, it's, it should be tech fin all the time, but that doesn't exactly roll off the fucking tongue. You That's know? fair. It's like fintech's a little catchier than like tech fin. Just like, I don't know. I either feel like a, like a, like I'm electrocuting Do a you fish. you want to talk about fintech? I could totally talk about fintech. I'm really curious about how like fintech and crypto are going to like have this giant collision in like the next decade and i don't know how it's going to go down but i well, feel I mean, like it's going to be that's epic. the hilarious like low-hanging fruit of all this that we could have talked about is like the like the one of the things that naval will talk about the most and you know that is out there is his opinions about cryptocurrency but it's like and i think he's right it is one of the most interesting and helpful gifts to the world it's just so interesting the way that regulation plays into that you know and you're right i mean i think the fintech and banking and crypto will all come together and I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe we're all getting paid in USD stable coins in like two years. But yeah. What's your two cents? I don't know. I mean, it's a very, uh, I started to read a lot more about DeFi recently. Like yeah. I still, I'm just yeah, trying should to like, I even, am I allowed to call it cryptocurrency anymore? Is that like even the proper buzzword? I think, it, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still trying to like figure out what the words mean, to be honest. Like it's such a like uh, Jenga tower of like jargon. Um, this is how you know we haven't had our normal uh, normal twelve months together. Is that you have questions about fintech that are unanswered? God, yeah, there's there's a lot, um, but I think it's like it is. I mean, it's reached a scale where it is like not nothing anymore. Um, but it is still what do you, de- De- DeFi. You mean or DeFi? What? Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I wrote a thing that's like you know a hundred billion dollars were transferred. I could be off by an order of magnitude either way, but like were transferred through like DeFi this year or something like that. Yeah, it's weirdly getting to a level of statistical significance in my personal life. Hence meaning this means absolutely nothing. Um, but like my number of friends close to us that have like gotten paid in cryptocurrency or something like that due to like fuck a 1099 or, you know, like certain regulations in the world that if you send someone else cash, there's a implication to that, that there isn't an implication to, and like in the midst of, in the midst of a time when we're kind of wondering, like, you know, what is the purpose of government? Like, it is a very interesting conversation to have. Yeah. And what is the limitation of government? Yeah. I mean, and like when and if and how regulators get into it, at like it, like the banking world and the crypto world, like kind of like there's like a choke point around yeah. KYC. That's yeah. like. But it's also it's also it all comes back yeah. to that same idea of like people doing the best with the awareness and everything else that they can. Right. Like you, I think a lot of people, especially on the tech side of FinTech think like God, regulators, you know, they're idiots. They move slow. Like there's a, there's a reason that regulators function the way that they do. Right. And like, I learned that in spades at the, at MBKC and have learned it in spades at bond and have learned it in, you know, in my previous life at bloom, like with the sec, like 
there's a reason that you can't just buy and sell stocks as, as an SEC, you know, regulated employee of a company kind of yeah. a thing. Like there's reasons for all this. Like, do we wish it moved faster? Yeah. But like regulators are people too, is what I just yelled into the microphone without yelling at Eric. And that was for all of you sitting and listening to this right now or walking and listening to this. Yeah. We've, we've now lost both your fintech audience and, and your non-fintech audience. Yeah, they're all gone at this yeah. point. This is the closest thing I've ever done to a Joe Rogan experience in terms of the lack of focus and <laughs> just the everywhereness. But also, I haven't seen you in like 12 months. And yeah, we got a lot of we, a lot of topics backed up. Yeah. So we're going to put two-ish hours out into the world. And it sounds like we might have another conversation around. Maybe we should do another conversation in like reverse order that is the cryptocurrency fintech conversation and it's like more you yeah i got a lot more reading to do before i have uh much to say about well, let's that. do that and so, let's yeah, pull in uh let's pull in ben milne and people like that and cool i'd be let's, do, let's reverse it let's make you the interviewer set it up for a sequel that'd be great i know enough to ask questions about things that i don't understand but not enough to answer them so perfect That's, this is you that was the thesis of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that still is the thesis of this podcast i have mainly no idea what i'm talking about but somehow i get to talk to people that do and I think that's a good spot to close. Um, the one thing I did have set out on here is like we shout out to Scribe. We've said Jesse's name. We haven't mentioned the fantastic and supportive Janine at this point that I think she deserves a thank you. And also your mom. Yeah. Um, anybody else or um, anything else that you want to? Yeah, I mean, it's like free, a wonderful free space, support please. network that helps me kind of spend time doing stuff like this. Um, all, all the illustrations in the book are from Jack Butcher, yep. who's like both an incredible talent and an incredible guy. And he, um, he's actually like lived the values of this book, especially around like productizing yourself mm. better than anybody else I've seen, like on the internet over the last two years, like he saw this tweet yeah. storm and started like living it that day and has absolutely killed it. So, um, he's like one of your Navali people. I feel like that you're like, well, Jack butcher would say, yeah, you say that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he, he like, he has helped. Um, I, I don't have like an awesome, like visual, memory or, or like a, I have a good visual memory, but not a good, um, visual imagination. And so like him creating some of these like very, very simple coming from the guy that made things. common. Maybe such. I do, but I haven't honed it. I don't know. But like seeing these illustrations like paired with the ideas, like make them stick for me, like incredibly, incredibly well. Um, you have to stare at some of them for a minute and then you're like, Oh yeah, but it sticks. And then the, like you, yeah. then you imagine the words or something. It's just like an extra trigger that helps you, you know, if you can stack like a visual reminder on top of the pithy words on top yeah. of your own life experiences and like, you know, you know, the lattice work as, as Munger would say, like it gives, just gives you kind of like cheat codes to decision-making and like you, you slowly like change your reflexes almost like your default behaviors change based on these kind of like ideas that you load in your head and yeah. yeah and then you're a different person yeah i think we're both different people than we were when we had that well dramatically different people than we were when we had that breakfast than either one of us wanted to have when we first met when we did the you know sniff each other's ass and decide we don't like each other but we did i liked you right away i didn't like you i know <laughs> No, I felt like you were like the only person I knew in Kansas City. I was like, if this guy doesn't like me, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. Yeah. It seems like it's worked out. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's worked, worked out. out. All right. And we'll do another one and then we'll uh we'll we'll switch the flip and not flip any tables, but cool. we'll set it up for a sequel. I like it. Can't wait, baby. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. I'm pressing the thing. Bye, y'all. I hope 
you enjoy this very special, unique, and quite robust episode of For Fintech's Sake with my friend, Eric Jorgensen. I left a link to the website, Eric's other work as a digital hoarder through things like Evergreen that he alluded to, and a link to buy the book in the show notes. So take a look there if you want to keep digging. And of course, as usual, for fintech sake housekeeping, I'll get out the broom. If you're not subscribed, please press that button on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really love the show, or if you just kind of like it and it's 2021 and you want to put some good karma in the world, leave us a review. Five stars, if you would. If you're thinking three, if you're thinking four, maybe just go for a walk, do something else. But five stars, please leave a review. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and read this book, people. It'll make you happy. <laughs>